Well, here we go. It's Hotline League episode 167. Boy, did we have a wild weekend. And boy, are we about to have an even more wild weekend when LCS finally returns to the stage for the midseason showdown finals. This episode brought to you by Alienware, Mountain Dew Game Feel, and for two weeks, Grubhub. We'll talk about that later on in the show. But first off, let me introduce my constant co-host, Mark Zimmerman. How's it going, Mark? Good. I um, I actually had a nap right before this, so I feel like I got hit by a bus. I always feel like whenever I take a nap, I'm ready to die, and uh, that's how I feel. So I got my game feel to pick me back up. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I'm happy happy to hear it. Um, why did you take a nap? Were you just you got get really tired? Uh, we were watching a movie after eating, and then you just get kind of hit by the food coma, you know. Those riot meetings are so. Uh so boring that they just took you out or the dive they're so, they're so engaging that i just i was drained Exhausted? by the end of them okay well yeah whatever anyway we've also got ls returning triumphantly to the show he hasn't been on since i think last year around worlds uh welcome back to the I show was how's it going i was trying to i was trying to hide the t1 stuff back then that was the last time yes I was on. That, you that were so funny you know? and and i yeah. had heard i had heard rumors and had reached out to their pr folks by that point in time and so you like trying to hide this stuff. I was trying to be nice because you're on the show and I didn't want to be like whatever. <laughs> um, but you were you were in like one of those people. People at some point in time were like, wow, the background of his thing on the show seems a lot like the background of some of these other streams that I've seen. And yeah, well, now you're back and you're wearing a jersey. So yeah, it's great. And and they got knocked out. With because LS wasn't wasn't there. there. Jesus. All right. <laughs> nice save. How... Nice save. Nice. Save. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's how we're starting the show. Uh, I'm, well, I'm, I'm saying that without without him leading them. Let's they, uh... <clears throat> let's do our normal uh, little chit chat before the show starts. Or well, before we get into all the the crazy topics. Although we're a little behind schedule, so maybe not too much. But Mark, how's your week been? Uh, it was fine. Um, I got the Saturday Sunday or Saturday game. Excuse me. Between. 9 and TL, which was uh, a lot better of a series, I think, than the Sunday one. So I was very happy to not have to be on the desk for that. Yeah. TSM 100 Thieves one. It was, uh, it was a doozy. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. It's funny. I was talking to somebody and I was like, I feel like this match, not that fun to watch. And they're like, hey, like it's still entertaining and stuff. I'm like, I don't I don't know. Ellis, you, you I think you were not thrilled with what you saw on sunday correct uh yeah i think i mean i think both of the series were kind of letdowns um i think yeah but definitely tsm 100 thieves is really bad does sure. it just feel like there's a giant gap between like the top three teams and the rest of the lcs not that that would be the first time it's happening but it seems like there's a giant gap and then there's 100t and then there's a giant gap again i would get tsm uh, out of the top three <laughs> make it a top two yeah i think in general so i think that a lot of the x imports in particular too um i think that they've kind of been balanced out uh for the most part right um and the ones that aren't are still on like top teams i think some days really fallen off i talked about that a lot on stream i think he's this is probably actually his like worst split um and it makes me worried uh because i don't know when generally when top players begin to really fall um you have to wonder if they'll ever get back to form so i don't know i think i think this has been a really rough split for na 
Okay, what do you think? What do you think about Hooney though? Because I think a lot of people thought that he couldn't get back to form, but it feels like there's a lot of praise for him right now. I think there's a lot of praise for him because TSM are winning, and in some of the games he's been on the carry champion. And so when you're winning and you're on the carry champion, I think it's only natural that there's a lot of positive comments that come towards you. But the reality is, is that I think that top lane in North America is really bad uh, in general. And I think that like with someday falling off, all you have to do is basically be like a middle of the pack uh, top laner, and then if your team's winning, you'll get overcompensate or yeah, you'll get basically overpraised. I think I I don't think there's I can't ignore uh, so many games just because of a few good ones, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, That's and fair. I think also like the back on form for Huni. I mean, like he's had a long career, and so like. You know, what yeah. you consider back on form can vary. Like, are we talking Echo Fox Hooney? Are we talking Fnatic Hooney? Are we, you know, SKT Hooney? You know, there's so many phases. And, like, I don't think he's as bad as the, you know, Dig Hooney that we saw at the end or anything like that. But I also don't think he's hitting the highs that we've seen out of him at the earlier stages of his career either. Yeah. I mean, I will say, here. well, here's, here's my question to you, Mark. You might remember uh, when we were talking about TSM picking up Hooney, I was like, well, this is kind of his, maybe his last chance at proving himself to be a team that, or a player that's worthy of being on a top team in a region. Do you think he's at least proved it, even if to LS's point, he's having a bit of an easy mode at it? No, oh, to be honest, because let's say they get third and then they do meh in in summer and they, let's say they, they get third again they make worlds and then they go to worlds and they lose in groups is that proving that this is the guy you want for your top lane going forward I, I don't know I mean obviously his individual performance will weigh heavily into that as opposed to just these like kind of team placings but you know I don't I don't know if if it is necessarily uh, enough to to justify going forward and I don't want this to sound like I'm hating on Hooney because I think he played he was fine like, it, was, it was hardly the worst Thing that I had an issue with at that series, yeah. um, but I, I just mean like I'm not 100 on the Hooney hype train either, and I'm not. I was never on the right. Hooney sucks train. I, I was always more in the middle. And I, I still feel like I'm there. No, there's it's there's only it's a very binary situation, Mark. Okay, when I look at Reddit, I see either uh -huh. Hooney's great or Hooney sucks. All right, there's nothing in between. We got we kind of already we. I like to make the beginning of the show like a catch up, and then Mark brought up the the past weekend and then we start talking about league again let's let's catch how are things going for you in korea ls because i know you've been you've been moving or you're in the process of moving i've been following your tweets it seems like you got a lot going on i yeah i i had to i had to move i moved into a house uh there was like there was no electricity no internet at first there was oh, no, no heat or water so that was interesting and then once we got water there was no heat so the water was cold so i started taking cold showers uh, which I'm still keeping up with, uh, which is nice. But um, yeah, everything else has been fine. I mean, I think my schedule in a weird way, uh, it almost feels like I'm working more than last year. And I know that might sound weird. Um, just because I'm co-streaming everything. I'm co-streaming LCK, LCS, LEC. Um, but that, now I'm doing a lot more... Uh, behind the scenes than I was doing last year, which I know I was casting, but at the same time, like when I add up everything, it's 
Actually, it's more than last year, so stressful. And last weekend was pretty hard, all the best of fives. How are you How are you able to keep all this in your head? Because, um, you know, I'm an idiot. I can't – I have a hard time remembering what champions were played in the game right before. But you are tracking all these different teams, all these different players, all these different leagues. Uh, do, you, do you have to take a bunch of notes and refer to this, or are you just able to keep it all in your brain at once? Because I think that that would be a struggle for – for most people, even other analysts? Um, I don't take any notes. I don't have any docs or anything like that. I just sort of watch the games. Um, when it comes to teams or players, I don't really care uh, too much about narrative about the team or player. Um, basically, I just take mental check notes on did this person do anything that was surprising or unexpected for me um, relative to my previous belief on them or something, right? And then if they do, then I like jot that. I, like I, it's like a mental check note, and then I wait to see if more of those happen or whatnot. Um, and then I'll, I'll go with that, uh, which I think developed some of the stuff that ended up happening in LCK for me, like the Chovy thing. When Chovy first started coming in, uh, I was always like, "Oh wow, uh, his laning is abnormal." And you keep watching, and you're like, "Oh, it's actually really abnormal." Um, and then you keep watching this progression, right? Um, so yeah. I think me not caring about narrative, me not caring about uh, a lot of other things, like stat stuff and all this other stuff, it just helps me watch everything with a clean slate. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I guess if, if you don't have to... I mean, the only thing is I do think you have to kind of... You have to remember, even if you don't worry about narratives, you have to remember sort of like, here's what type of champions this, this player uses a lot, or here's like the type of player they are, and even just keeping track of just the way that these guys play, I yeah. think that that's at least, that's a lot of data, you know, especially if you don't have notes. So yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, um, well, let's go ahead and get into a little bit of what happened this past week. So first off, obviously we already talked about the game. Some uh, we've got the three most popular NA teams in, uh, in finals weekend here. Is that Mark, is there an official word for what they call like, these two matches combined. I guess midseason showdown is like this weekend. Finals weekend. I Finals weekend. Uh, so anyway, we've got that, which I think is is really fun. We're gonna see how these those things go. Uh, I got in trouble, and Primal did last week. Uh, not too much hot water, but with some people, because on Hotline League, we people Tom Shu called in and said that Academy or you know that Riot should do more to promote uh, proving grounds and Academy and amateur. I took the opposing stance and then uh, very much angered a lot of people. Uh, did Mark, did you see any of that stuff? Yeah, and I wholeheartedly support it. Okay. Well, but Mark yeah. is siding with the, with the, the people that hate me. But, yeah. uh, but I did a whole <laughs> video about that. But we can talk a little bit more because uh, Proving Grounds is still going on. And I don't know if, if anybody wants to call in and talk about We did a video today as part of my uh, my apology letter to the people I offended where where Tim went through and talked about uh, the five hottest NA prospects in LCS Academy and amateur. So I don't know. We can. Wow, we can that's talk pretty about shallow. Something. Just smoking hot uh, <laughs> NA prospects. Um, and then there's some conversation too about sort of the buyout situation with NA Academy players. Some other show had Alorum on, and they talked about. Uh, <laughs> they talked about buyouts, and there's a conversation right now about if academy buyouts are too high, because I guess there's some players that are going to amateur, 
instead because they don't want to go to academy because they worry that they'll have to sign a contract there that will force them to like basically end up in in academy prison or contract prison or whatever you want to call it so i think that's interesting is there anything else north america centric as hotline league tends to be more north america centric sorry for ls fans that are aware of every league in the world including brazil and turkey and cif <laughs> Um, they, want, they want to hear about how G2 lost to Mad. Yeah, Not I mean, covering cool. it. Are if we, somebody wants we? to call it about that, I mean, honestly, I'm down. That's But, it, I mean, isn't that what they always do? Isn't this just their thing? Hey, I mean, they do tend – the last two playoffs, they lost in the upper bracket and they made a lower bracket run. But they were three twos and, like – I mean, maybe – I guess we can just talk about it now. Like, it was – they were kind of – those kind of series where you're like, oh, they trolled a little bit. Like, they made some bad decisions over the course of the series that let a game get away that they shouldn't have lost. Um, and that's usually how it felt that, like, you know, it, it was close. You could still argue they were the better team, even though they didn't win. This time, it just looked like Mav was the better team. And there were, like, actual player, diff- like, getting beaten consistently, you know, like, there were legitimate problems that they were having. You could talk about their drafts maybe not being great. So, like, I thought it was a, a pretty different feeling loss than um, some of the other ones. Well, LS, I know you were you were co-viewing it. Uh, so, what is the what what is your assessment? Do you think G two? I mean, everybody just assumes they go to MSI, right? Is that no longer a safe assumption? Um, I'm worried, but generally, so one of the things that's interesting about G two is uh, when I remember watching them last year, or even in other tournaments. Generally, after they lose, they dial back. Um, and then they, I remember, I, I, I still think that spring finals versus Fnatic, uh, G2 versus Fnatic, I think that's probably in my top three, if not just my favorite all time League of Legends, like drafting plus gameplay, um, like including like Korean teams and and everything else. Right. Um, I really liked that. And I think that they can probably just do something like that again. Um, I really hope G2 goes to MSI. As much as I like Rogue, and I think that Inspired's like the best Western jungler, and I think that they have a lot of potency with their drafts and champion pools and stuff, I think only G2, realistically, if they're on form with good drafts, could take games off of Korean or Chinese teams. Um, And so I'm really hoping that G2 goes to MSI. I think that this past weekend, they set themselves up for failure and draft a lot. And I thought Wonders picks in particular, were by far the most egregious. Because I think they, they they constantly had leads headed into R4, where opponents would blunder, or Mad would blunder on R4, uh, red side fourth pick. And then consistently G2's B4, B5 was just atrocious. Uh, and it would completely throw their draft away. But then they showed their tendency to get really reckless when they had advantages. Because no there was intended. definitely some free games. Yeah, yeah. So that was my assessment of the series. Uh, well, I'm excited to see. I mean, I, I, the nice thing for, for LEC and I guess maybe having G2 is they always know how to make their it, – it feel like it's very interesting up until G2 just mm-hmm. ends up winning again. So I guess we'll see. But I'm excited to, to, to keep an eye on how stuff goes for them this weekend. Um, Mark, anything you guys talked about on the dive that we can just steal for this show right now that I'm, I'm forgetting that <laughs> happened in, in LCS? Uh, I think you've already ripped off most of the major beats. Um, okay. Yeah, and I'm sure um, we'll have a lot of people with takes this about how like TSM is going to win everything this weekend, mm-hmm. about how Team Liquid is are a bunch of frauds and they've always been, about how Cloud Nine is 
going to win worlds this year. I, I, we've got all sorts of fun stuff given the, the match, the matches that we have waiting for us this weekend. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can hop into the calls. Um, Mark, you yeah. want to give a quick, quick spiel since we might have some LS fans here that are not used to the show. Yeah. If you, any bandwagon fans are here for the first time, uh, here's how the show works. It's a live call in show. So you can go ahead and join discord, which I just spammed in Twitch chat. Uh, once you get there, go ahead and join the pleb topics or the pub calls voice channel or pleb calls too. please mute your microphone. Once you get in there, uh, once you're there, go post your topics in the pleb topics text channel up above, uh, you know, try and phrase it in a way that you can make a little bit of your argument there, but don't make it too long. You know, uh, ideally it is a take. So, you know, you're not just picking our brains, but with LS on, obviously, so questions are appreciated. Uh, if I like your topic, I will pull you into the waiting room where you will hang out until it's your turn to come on air. We'll do a quick mic check, make sure you sound fine. Uh, and then when it's your turn, you'll come on and we'll discuss your topic. Very good. And if you are a sub, first off, thank you for being a sub. Uh, we got a ton of subs that were gifted earlier, but be sure to link your Discord with your Twitch so you can get access to the subtopics channel. Uh, which tends to move a little slower. And so maybe it gives you a bit of a better chance of getting on the show. Uh, also, as Mark is pulling callers, I'll do my thing that I sometimes forget to do, which is to mention that it has been two months since Wright has uh, refused to comment on the import rule stuff as I've asked some questions about it. So we just do the tracker, the Riot import rule question tracker, and it's been about two months. Next week it'll be two months and an extra week. Very exciting. Uh, while uh, Mark is still grabbing somebody, uh, some big shout outs to some subs and the chat. Uh, Lady Sky, Sexy Brioche, uh, Tom Shu, Nerdy Cat Owner, D9, who gifted 25 subs, Ali, Meki, Digibaku, Jay Schrode, Ghost Han, St. Louis Slayer. Uh, oh, and Ghost Han gifted a sub to LS. That's nice of him. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got some more. I'll get to those soon. But first off, We've got Grand here. Grand, where are you calling from? I'm calling from New York. How's it going, Travis? Pretty good. Good to talk to you. Uh, what is your, where's your accent from? Oh, uh, Queens, born and raised. Oh, nice. Uh, well, here. what do you, what do you want to talk about on the show? Um, so my take is that C9 Fudge is looking quite nice. Um, to be perfectly honest. I didn't think that he was going to be that good when, when the split first started, especially in uh, the lock-in tournament. He didn't look that promising. But as, like, the games went on, you could see, like, steady improvement from, like, game to game to game. Like, you can see, like, his lane mechanics were, were solid. Um, he he wouldn't, like, blunder, like, the micro aspects of, like, the, the champions that he was playing. Like, when he was playing Camille, when he was playing Renekton, like, he, he's doing well on the carry picks, and whenever he was on strong side, like, he's setting up his position to get a lead in the lane properly, and it's just up to, like, the execution of, like, Blabber to, like, dive the opponent or whatever to, to get him from point A to point B. And, like, you can see from, like, week to week, like, Blabber is just getting... I mean, uh, uh, Fudge is just getting better and better. So... Coming to, uh, what was it, Saturday, when the very first game we got to see Renekton versus Urgot, where Alfari got the counterpick. Uh, wait, did he get the counterpick? Yeah, he counterpicked that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he got the counterpick. Um, they just absolutely trash-canned and, like, nullified Alfari in that game. Like, the strongest point of TL and where TL usually gets their leads from was just destroyed, and, like, TL was just 
on the back foot, like starting the series off. And my take is uh, LS like basically uh, picked up on Fudge um, way before anybody else did. Uh, he was on C9 Academy's team, and basically like LS was like one of the ones that was like hyping Fudge up to you know get him into an LCS team. If C9 wasn't going to bring him up, like get him onto an LCS team, and C9 took the gamble of trading away Licorice for for Fudge, and it looks like the the gamble's paying off. Where where Fudge is Fudge is a solid pick, and this is uh it seems like more teams should uh, listen to people like LS or Dom or, or or others who are like high rated solo queue players who also have a mind for. Well, I I really like. For- that as you were as you were saying that bit about LS, I just look over and LS is just casually sipping his straw as, as you're like, um, yeah, LS, uh, he did pretty good with this. <laughs> Playing it cool. Uh, no, I mean, it's true. I think, well, first off, I think it's true. It does seem as though as much as the community wants to be like, hey, Fudge sucked in lock-in, and now I will just decide that he sucks forevermore. He's increasingly getting accolades from analysts, broadcast folks personalities etc and uh, it does feel like he's starting to at least turn around the the sort of i don't know reputation that he got for himself very early on this year uh with with at least some people so before i throw it over to ls uh for his his uh victory around um let me let me ask mark what do you what do you think of fudge especially given his performance this past weekend i think he's been good uh this is section that we had on the dive a little bit we were talking about this uh, a caller asked we because we do like a little you know like uh, listen to audio messages. Someone had asked you know like if you're gonna do a playoff power ranking, where would you put Fudge? Which is just like a, one, it's a little bit of a weird question with playoffs. Some people have only played two series and only have had two opponents and lower bracket and stuff. But I mean, he hasn't been outperformed in in either series so far. Uh, you know, he had good counter picks into uh, someday basically beat him and did play weak side Scion a couple times. Same in this series. But when uh, he was more on the strike side with the Renekton Italy game, they gave Alfari the most deaths he's ever had pre-15. They, they camped him and killed him a bunch of times. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I probably wouldn't go as far as say Fudge is better than Alfari, but he outplayed him that series. He had a better series easily. He's he's getting really good really fast. <laughs> yeah, uh, so... <laughs> Raz is uh, in Twitch chat saying, this is a wild take. Give credit to C9. <laughs> I disagree, Raz. Uh, well, okay. Actually, why don't we throw it to, to LS? LS, what, what do you think of this? Because obviously the caller is trying to say, like, hey, people like Dom and LS and folks have opinions that these teams need to listen to. But also, I think a lot of people would say, well, hey, C9 grabbed him from OCE and did all that stuff. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know where where do you see that where should the credit be given, um, especially given that you are one of the people that arguably could receive some. Um, so I'll just give a TLDR on like why I was high on Fudge way before the season started. So um, I caught wind of Fudge uh, last year, um, and when I was receiving the NA team offers, um, Fudge was like when I was like theorizing like various like roster uh things that could maybe be put together fudge was i know he was on c9 academy um but it was one of the considerations um and prior to me like joining t1 like that was 
basically that's the time frame that I'm giving um, because all the offers came in in August and July. Um, so it was mostly around then. Uh, but when I did like the tier list thingy and I talked about Fudge in January and December, I had spent so much time talking with him and watching him like share screen Discord uh, October, November, December. Um, and I just thought his mechanics, like I, I have pretty specific like things that I look at for a player, like mechanics and uh, awareness and lane control, especially lane control. The, not just like how you control it, but are you aware of like every chain reaction or chain effect uh, that's going to happen. Because um, even if it doesn't immediately translate to something, I think understanding is better than knowing um, because it means when variables change, you can adapt really easy. Um, so I, I, I thought Fudge showed a really, really good mindset that not a lot of a lot not a lot of players in the West have, and I think maybe we could attribute it to his age and his uh, he's so new to like esports and teams, so he still has like that hunger and stuff. Because I think there's physical age and then there's um, time spent in esports, which I like to call weathered. Um, like for instance, I think a 14 year old who starts his pro team at 14 turns 19 is basically the same as a 19 year old who turns 24. Um, I think they're equally weathered. It's like uh, almost like a fuse like, that we're burning out. Uh, as we right, start right, burning right. and you're like, right. how long until yeah. they decide that actually they'd rather go to a rave uh, than be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> playing these yeah. games? So for Fudge, um, I think he has a lot of upside. And I think even when he was having like rough stuff on in the split, I thought Reddit and a lot of people were inaccurate with what was happening in the laning phase. Um, because there's a lot of chain reactions uh, that, again, are going on, depending on, like, what's happening with junglers, uh, what's enemy top laner, what's matchup, and all this other stuff. So I thought the criticism was kind of unfair. <clears throat> um, I still think it's him and Alfari, our top two. Um, but I think Fudge has an enormous upside due to his open-mindedness, and, I mean, he just grinds. He, he he's I don't know. Now, obviously, I don't know about other top laners, but Fudge... Fudge really, really, really grinds. Um, so it's, yeah, I think it's good. I think Fudge will, will be very, very, very good. And the fact that he's resident, he's resident, right? Yeah. As yep. OC, he's technically, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's probably the most valuable top laner, I guess now. Yeah. In he, he's, he's like that good kind of cocky. Like he, he knows he's good and he's not, he like, he doesn't take like the criticism to, to heart, he just like plays his game and and just gets better and better. Yeah, I yep. mean he he's definitely uh, one of the things I have enjoyed so much about talking to him is like he, he set himself up as like the biggest fucking target before the start of the split. Then he basically got shot a ton, uh, essentially <laughs> because of his lock in performance. <laughs> And I think oftentimes what that does to a player is like it overwhelms them. You know, they start to crumble. You start to see them like, like halfway through the split. It's like, oh, by the way, we're gonna bring in our academy top laner for a little bit. But instead, um, <clears throat> he did such a good job, I think, of sticking with like his own confidence in himself, getting better. And I also want to give credit to his teammates because I have interviewed so many of them, and of course, like. Hey, you know, look, let me ask about Fudge because everybody talks about Fudge. And these guys have done nothing but uh, defend him, talk about how much they believe in him, talk about, hey, you know, like the narratives that are around him are not necessarily fair. And I think that that actually has gone very well because often that's 
people, you know, we've heard this before. I think Mark will will believe. I'm sure Ellis has heard it too. Oftentimes, teammates can see one of their you know, players can see one of their teammates getting shit on by the community and analysts and everybody, and then they just start to believe it and buy into it and dog on that person, and they don't want to be playing with them or whatever. And so it's so cool to see the C9 players instead just really hard commit to, to, to fudge throughout the whole year. One of, one of the things I want to uh, chime on, by the way, about Fudge that I... I mean, it's pretty public, right? Because he comes on the co-streams, he does, like, the winner's interview memes, and, like, he's on co-streams for LCK and LEC and whatnot. Um, I think it's really, really, really big that Fudge is the type of teammate or player that will openly despise, like, certain champion picks, um, but he'll play it uh, if it's what the team wants, even if he doesn't agree with it or, like, other stuff. I think that's actually huge. Um... Because it gives him, because so many players are steadfast in not wanting to play certain champs, not wanting to do certain things, not being malleable, not being flexible. Um, and that can really harm stuff behind the scenes, which fans and other people never really get insight into. Um, but he'll just do whatever, you know, to make things go as smooth as possible, so long as he doesn't think it'll compromise anything. Um, like, or like lower the chance to win, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, like, there was a... I forget which stretch of the season it was. But it was pretty early on where he played, like, eight Gragas games or, like, seven Gragas games in, like, ten games or something. And, like, I don't think many yeah. top laners want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you got to imagine that that was a, a more team-oriented uh, decision. So, like, yeah, it's good to see someone being willing to be like, all right, I'll be, you know, the weak side guy. I'll be the one not getting much help for, for a little bit right mm -hmm. now. Um, and then, you know, when he gets his, his champions, he actually stomps. Stops pretty hard, but yeah, back to the uh, back to the caller's original question, Ellis. What percentage yeah. uh, of what percentage of fudge equity does Cloud Nine right. get versus LS get? <laughs> what is the the investment, the credit, the payout now that his his stock is paying dividends? I don't know. There's some other stuff behind the scenes that I don't think I can talk about. Do it anyways. No, I can't. I can't do it. Um, yeah. Yeah, there there were yeah there was many there was many combos that were had that I was uh, inquired about or yeah or I was um, yeah oh so when it came to stuff unironically I would say yeah. that that's a, a I mean I don't know what these conversations were so I'm assuming that this is like yeah. at least some sort of due diligence done by C9 which is something that I feel like doesn't always happen with um, teams when they're making roster decisions yeah. is actually reaching out to people who have played with him, who know him, and interviewing a little bit to, to get like the, the scoop on this player and not just going based off perception. And I, I think um, you know, that's something that doesn't always happen when it it really, yep. really should. Yeah. Yep. Grand you were I think Grand you were trying to say something? Uh, I was just gonna ask like do you how how many teams like come to you for like roster consultations? Mm. I wouldn't Ballpark. say teams specifically. I wouldn't say teams. I would say players do it, um, mm. or like pairs of players will do it. So like, uh, like players making decisions on whether or not to go to a team, or like orgs building around a team, and like both players. Both. both. Uh, I mean, I get. I make it pretty known that I won't tell players what each other say. Um, you know, like, uh, because I get reached out to by a lot. Mostly it's Europeans. Um, I talk to a lot of LEC pros. Um, 
Talked to a lot of LAC pros, not so much NA. Um, yeah, I, I can't give like a percentage number, but it's a lot more now than it used to be, which is interesting. Like I would say that last year me and this year me, I talked to way more pros now uh, very regularly. I mean, you very much blew up, I feel like, last year. Obviously, you were in a pretty good place, but like it makes sense to me that like you have more and more become a, an authority that people uh, respect on a lot of stuff. So it, I'm not surprised I, to hear you I, getting a lot more attention. One of the things that I, I, I wonder if it like plays into it, right, is um, it's publicly known about like the, the faker uh, aspect to me joining T1. Um, I don't know if that uh, plays a part uh for some pros um because the the amount that i talk to now is definitely way more than ever before and i don't know if it's uh like me being a part of t1 or um the faker aspect of that like onboarding right uh maybe just you know adds credibility well regardless coomer um grand coomer i should say uh, as, as your name is. Is there anything that you would like to uh, to shout out before we take a quick break? Oh, shout out to uh, Game Fuel, cracking open a cold one with the boys. <laughs> Very good. It's code Travis. Um, uh, shout out to the LS Co-Stream. Shout out to the Dom Co-Stream. Uh, shout out to the Dive with Mark and the boys. And uh, that's about it. Very good. Well, again, I tried to avoid saying your name, but I just I, I couldn't by the end of it. Thank no, you so no. much, Grant, for the call, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Whoa. <laughs> and, and just in that moment, Grubhub Gaming gives 25 <laughs> subs to the channel. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about Grubhub in just a little bit, but first off, we have another sponsor um, that we're, we're chatting about tonight, and that sponsor is Alienware. Uh, they support so much of what we do here, and I, I really mm -hmm. appreciate all the support that they've they've given us. They have a bunch of cool stuff that they are showing off right now. I don't, I can't. They've got some cool stuff in the pipeline. I've I've heard about. I can't, I I can't say anything. I get in trouble. Uh, but one of the biggest things I've been talking about, obviously, recently, is the Cherry keyboards that you can now get as an upgrade in their their notebooks, which is the first time uh, that you can get. These gaming, you can get a gaming laptop with these Cherry MX Ultra Low Profile Mechanical Keys. Really cool mm -hmm. that they're doing something like that. Um, they, it's something that's been in the works for three years, and uh, they they compare it, by the way, to uh, the doors in a DeLorean sports car. That's how that switch uh, looks for those that are familiar with, of course, the DeLoreans. But anyway, I've got a, a great way for you guys to learn more and see sort of some graphics on the way this stuff works. If you go to Alienware.com/travis. Up at the top, okay. there's a big banner. You can click it. It says, it says like Alienware and Cherry. You click it, and then you'll be able to see diagrams and a bunch of information on the way that they've uh, they've created these, this keyboard uh, situation and being able to bring Cherry key switches to uh, Alienware notebooks uh, for the first time ever. So pretty cool that they're doing that. Um, and there's some other information there, too, you can check out. But yeah, be sure to check that out whenever you're taking a look at the Alienware stuff. And again, thank you to everybody who's been tweeting the fact that they've purchased Alienware products. It's always really helpful. We put all that stuff over there. And uh, yeah, as Proteus West in the chat says, Travis fans are very supportive of the sponsors. I really, that is very, very true. Um, and, and I appreciate it a ton. We've got a couple more to talk about tonight. But first, Mark is off 
to grab our next caller as as he runs off. Uh, thank you mm-hmm. to, let's see, <clears throat> Grubhub Gaming, by the way, for 25 gifted subs. That's awesome. Uh, I've got, we're doing a giveaway. I mean, I was going to promote it whenever we get to them, but just, just as an aside, exclamation mark giveaway in the chat. You can click the link and uh, you can win something really cool. I'll talk more about it during the break. But first off, we got Franz here. Franz, where are you calling from? Uh, calling from Provo, Utah. Provo, Utah. Is that, yes. I, I feel like I drove through there. Would I have driven through there on the way from Salt Lake down to like Arizona? Uh, yeah, yeah, possibly just down the, down the 15 south of Salt Lake, like 45 minutes. Is that, that's not the, yes. Okay. Yeah. I did. I did go through there. The BYU college town. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, what do you want to talk about on the show? Yeah. So my take, uh, I think the decline in LCS viewership that we're seeing is, is kind of being oversimplified by a lot of people. I think it's like a combination of, of a few things, uh, obviously COVID and the lack of, uh, studio broadcast and audience huge player turnover and lack of lack of player engagement on social media and overall quality decrease in North America. Um, and I have a few points if you need me to elaborate. Yeah. Well, first before any of that happens and before you ruin my survey, you could do exclamation mark survey in the chat right now. We're doing a survey where we're trying to sort of, I want to, I'm trying to get from a ton of LCS fans an idea of what, you know, for the people that are watching less LCS or aren't watching LCS anymore, uh, yeah, just, you guys are all spamming it at once, but just, you don't all need to spam it. You can just click the Twitch chat. Anyway, uh, people can go go take a look at that, and I'll put a, the link to the description of it and the description of the, the YouTube video as well. So if you are listening to this, just pause it before you listen to this conversation so we get a clear result. But, Franz, go ahead and expand a little bit because it says it sounds like you've got several different things here on your mind about this. Yeah, I mean, if you go back and like listen to old VODs of, of games um, with like live audiences, even stuff like like First Blood or like a cool play, like we'll get way hyped by casters. And I think that that hypes up a lot of people. And um, I, I love the casters in NA. I think they're great. I just think it's hard to get as hyped when there's no live audience. Um, I think a few a uh, few like really good examples recently of player engagement uh, and, and like garnering some of the the possible like fandom in NA, um, like Vulcan, Spica, and Demonte like interacting on Twitter and just like um, doing stuff like really simple stuff, just like posting memes is is uh, gets them way more fans than some people who are just silent and you never hear from. You don't even know that they have a personality. Um, like older examples, people that like streamed a lot and and like talked a lot, like Reggie and. PewDiePie, Dyrus, like Hotshot, all those people uh, were a big reason why people like just love to, to follow them. They had big personalities and it was it was a lot more fun. Um, and then like the quality decrease, like there, I think sometimes there's like a revisionist history based on the, the NAEU rivalry. There's There's been a few times where NA has been considered like as good or sometimes better than EU. We usually like collapse at worlds, but competitively, um, you mean? I mean, I feel like that was several years ago. It's been a while since we could say that, but yes, I right. do yeah, remember. I, mean, we I think would... those are the times he's referencing. Is that like the what was it? Yeah, 2018 Rift Rivals or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. Twenty. Yeah. Exactly. Like twenty seventeen Rift Rivals. TSM I think only dropped like one game to Unicorns Love and then swept them in the finals. Um, twenty sixteen MSI with CLG going to the finals was really hype. Um, even like twenty fifteen TSM at IEM was really cool, even though they kind of, they collapsed their worlds that year. And then obviously, yeah, 20, 2018 C9 semifinals at Worlds. 
it seemed like spring NA, uh, spring 2020 NA, uh, like really got really bad um, with C9 just, you know, murdering everyone and then MSI being canceled uh, due to COVID. It was really like a huge hit to the scene because they couldn't perform internationally and then they collapsed and didn't even go to Worlds. And TSM won that split, but, you know, the the, the famous 06 performance at Worlds kind of kind of hurt right. us as well. So I think like 2020 took a huge dip in play um, and that had a, you know, a big, uh, big effect on viewership, you know, 2019, even liquid went to MSI finals. And so since then, I, I don't know if we've recovered yet. We'll see with, you know, how C9 potentially does, uh, MSI this year and, and worlds. But yeah, I think those are the big ones. I think, uh, fan engagement is really big. Um, I think, you know, just posting on Twitter just a few times a week even would, would help a lot. Well, uh, I guess I can I can dive in on this this stuff first. Again, I'm hoping everybody has taken the survey by the time they're they're listening to this because I'm going to tease a little bit of the the results. But uh, we ask a lot of questions in that survey, uh, and and I think one of the things that I have heard over and over and over again is that it's NA's poor performance at international events that is making people watch less, and. Look, I'm going to reveal the data once I have some time to work with with Tim a little bit and our run it editor to make sure that they look really pretty. But that, while that is a, a cause, and some people are listing it, it's by no means the strongest. And a lot of the people we survey say they don't care or they strongly disagree with the idea that the that that's a factor. And what we frequently see in these results is that people are actually saying, um, and by the way, they also, like a lot of them, I thought there'd be more concern about the broadcast because so much people have shit on the LCS broadcast. That's not it very much either. What it does seem to yeah. be is people feeling that there's not great narratives and people feel like there are not players that they care about and they want to root for. And I think some of that goes to what you were saying, Franz, with like the Twitter and just like the players not being uh, social. But I also just think there's like a lack of like, us explaining why these people are folks that people should care about. Um, and, and I think a lot of that, you know, as much as I think the broadcast doesn't deserve uh, flame for like as much flame as they get for people saying like, Oh, this, this section is cringe or like Mark Z is so cringe in this like countdown segment where he's whatever. Yeah, I agree. Some of those are cringe. Most people don't care. The bigger thing is, I think the broad, the broadcasts I think should be faulted for, and I think a lot of us teams, myself, others should be faulted for not doing a good enough job of making people care about this next generation of players, and for finding the interesting stories. Like we, I have this interview that I I put out today with Sven where he's talking about how he does feel like Team Liquid is a rival for C9, and the top comment in that thread is something like, "Oh, you know." I wish that we, the rivalries in LCS were not just who are the two best teams right now. I actually think there's a lot of reasons to consider those two teams rivals. Jensen leaving to go to Team Liquid, Sven disrespecting him with like the height joke a while ago, the fact that these guys have met in a ton of best of fives over the past several years, and this is the first time this past weekend where C9 beat TL uh, in a best of five in like several years, I believe, based off of what we were looking at earlier today, Tim and I. There's like... There's a lot to to talk about there, and I just don't think we've done as good enough job of 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 really painting those pictures. So 
I do agree with some of it. I don't necessarily think that the audience changes that much. I don't think that we're going to get like way more viewers. I think LEC has done significantly well without an L, uh, an audience from a viewership perspective. There are Twitch viewership, YouTube viewership. A lot of this stuff has been up over the past year because people are not going out. Instead, they're staying in and watch, watching stuff. So I don't. I heavily push back on the COVID narrative. Like COVID is an issue for LCS, and my viewership is down. But I do think that like the player turnover, the lack of narratives, the lack of building up new personalities, I think that that is probably our core problem. So there, I've gone on my big rant, and I'll talk more about that when I do a dedicated video. But Mark Ellis, I don't know if either of you guys have things you want to chime in on on this stuff. Um, I think about this a lot because I've been a part of two esports deaths. So this is a really big anxiety for me, and I'm someone that generally likes to plan a lot in advance. So I'm always paying attention to stuff like this. I'm always looking at Twitter. I'm always looking at analytics. I'm always looking at viewership uh, of the regions um, because I try to, you know, think like, okay, where is LOL going? Um, because LOL's basically my life. Um, and I think it's very tied in with me. So. Uh, I agree with you, Travis. Like, LEC has shown us that it has nothing to do with COVID, right? LEC viewership up. LCK viewership uh, up until the YouTube crash last year, up. Um, uh, on the same light, my co-stream viewership for LCK is two and a half times what it was last year when I had co-streaming rights. That's up. Um, viewership uh, is definitely weird. Um what I will say, and this isn't necessarily my own opinion, is whenever I read through all the Reddit threads or Discord communities and other stuff, um, a lot of the time there's the comparison between the LEC uh, broadcast crew and the LCS broadcast crew. Um, and one of the big factors that I think is brought up is like age. Um, and that's an interesting thing because I have that hypothesis about Twitch streaming um, where people want to be able to relate more to the people that they're watching. Now that's a, you know, Travis giving me a weird look right now, but this is a, I want, you know, I want to be careful about call, saying people are too old to be on the broadcast or something. But. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. But a lot of the content that the LEC crew does is very different from LCS. Oh yeah, it's more so Zoomer, less Boomer. Right, right, right. So that's what I'm talking about, right? They're, they're hitting the new Gen Z people that might be getting into League in later years, right? Joining Season 5, Season 6, Season 7. Whereas I feel like a lot of uh, people who watch the LCS, they're probably much more still old guard. But there's no quote-unquote boomer content, and there's no, uh, or not boomer, uh, millennial zoomer content. And there's like no storyline stuff. I loved that Niles piece that Golden Guardians did. I've, uh, I've you know, I watch TSM Legends every week before LCS. I hate what they're doing. I really hate what they're doing. The best parts about TSM Legends, they had a loss segment that was like four or five minutes, and they had speaker parts. But outside of that, it's like I'm watching mic checks. I'm watching like highlights compilation. There's nothing to draw me into the personalities of the players, and it feels like TSM Legends is almost the same every week. There's yeah. nothing personable about it. Other than these but great when they interviews that, that pop up sometimes on the subreddit from, from great so, interviews. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... For me, that that's where it's lacking. There's nothing personable about what's going on. And like I'm just gonna hone in on the TSM Legend stuff. I mean, no teams are doing this. 
And when they do, it feels bad, right? You go to the YouTube channels, you go to the Twitters, and you see the viewership for it, and then it's sort of like, how can they do this? Um, or, you know, how is it viable for it to function, right? If, if there's not getting any traction. Or you're talking about, like, these team series, like... It's hard for like an immortal yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. like three K viewers on YouTube or something, yeah. right? The video is out for like one month, and that makes me feel really bad because I don't want the game to die. But I don't think it has to be this way because LCK teams are fucking necroing things, right? Dead YouTube channels and whatnot, and they're getting viewership. And LEC already necroed the league post uh, franchising, so I don't think it has to be that way. Um, but I don't know what a simple fix is. Anyway, sorry, that was long-winded. Take away, Mark. No, you're good. I, I mean, I, I appreciate okay. hearing other people's thoughts on this because it's always interesting. I think, um, you know, getting the data, I'm, uh, I love data. So I like hearing Travis's points about the um, two biggest things he's identified so far through the polling, at least, being players and narratives. And I think um, part of that is honestly expected when your two fucking biggest players of all time retire in the same split after just yeah. winning the championship. Like, you tell me a fucking sport that doesn't have a bit of a fallback, especially because, you know, we're only a 10-team league when you compare to, like, a lot of sports. Like, there's 32 teams, and yeah. they're geolocated. You know, it's like, we're not geolocated. There's 10 teams, and your two biggest play stars you've ever fucking had just walked out the door and are no longer on your broadcast, really. Um, and in that sense, you know, like, I think a bit of a downturn is not a surprise. What you want to do, then, is fill that void over the next year uh, and stuff like that because I think there's there's a part of an unavoidable yes. downturn but uh, to your point about the other things you can do to do that build up that next generation of stars more accessible content more relatable to the current generation and stuff like that like yeah things come and go things like what's cool now isn't going to be cool later and so like yes. when Damien Estrada who just left TL when he came into the scene yeah there was like TSM Snapdragon whatever the fuck game that was cribs. called game cribs yeah you know created like the, by those, game spot those, those existed but they they were like just kind of behind the scenes stuff and he brought a professional documentary level creation of content that captured fans attention super super well and then everyone copied it and now it's beaten into the ground as a format and it's not fresh anymore. And so, you know, like that thing that's going to hook viewers is like, what are you going to watch the heist? You're going to watch TSM legends. You're going to watch this or that. And, th and they're all kind of the, the same though. There's obviously different levels of quality and execution. Wait, what's the heist? The, the heist is hundred T TSM legends. Yeah. It's the, they have one. Yeah. Yeah, they they have a they have a rebirth. So they you might have had a hard time finding it, Ellis, because they they split <laughs> esports content off of their main YouTube channel this year, which okay. has made it harder to find some of their stuff. It's ironically the same thing uh, LCS did. So it's like they have a hundred okay. T esports YouTube channel. You have to go find the hundred T esports YouTube channel to find the heist. But okay, that's yeah. bad. That's bad. I didn't even know it exists. Like I don't I, I don't tweet, know how that's possible. I, mean, they tweet I look it. at everything. They tweeted it. gets referenced on the broadcast, I think. Like it, I mean, it's out there, okay. but, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's just hard for. And if you want, if you go find, I mean, for NA, it's getting decent views. Um, yeah, I mean, it is. To, to be fair, even though I just, I didn't want to criticize the quality or anything like that. It is one of the better ones, and I think yeah. they are. Uh, you know, like the team that makes that are, are, are really good. But I just mean that um, the concept itself is nothing new, and it felt like for a period of time, following. Uh, you know, 2016 onwards, every top team 
basically made the same video, but for their team. You know, the only thing I want to push back, um, Mark, on is the Game Crib stuff. I mean, uh, full disclosure, I worked for GameSpot at the time. I don't I haven't been paid by them for years, and so this is not born out of that. But here's the thing. Damien came in and brought, like, a very professional production st- to the show and had, like, a budget and had multiple people, and he was able to outdo what Game Cribs was because GameSpot was just giving one poor man uh, some cameras and then telling him to, to edit and turn around within the same week. But one thing that Game Cribs did really well, and we, we don't have any of these episodes anymore, was the crazy shit that would happen where, like, Chaos would call Dyrus and say that... Or Dyrus... I think Chaos told Dyrus, you are dog shit on the ground, if you recall that. And this, there's the scene of, like, Chaos crying and leaving the house when yeah, he gets booted yeah. from the team. Like... You don't you uh, these teams all have drama that they no longer feel comfortable showing and that they used to in the past. And I'm not saying I the mean, even like breaking point and like those kinds of like yes. the first episode of Rebirth, like we didn't put it out for, you know, this was season five. We didn't put it out until Piglet had been benched and we had gone through like a pretty big cycle. But then we know I think Damien and his team deserve a lot of credit for finding tasteful ways of just like showing that kind of drama uh, um, that sucks people in. I mean, like. Yeah, I know it's not positive for the team, uh, you know, like mentality in some ways, but like at the end of the day, you know, people care about the human element a lot more than I think a lot of the like hardcore fans admit. Like like uh, the people on Reddit and stuff obviously are more gameplay oriented, but the average fan really does care about the the human component a lot. Well, and, and so like Raz is in the chat saying, how is that a positive take that shit out? I, I don't necessarily think that we should have that stuff in, or at least we shouldn't show it to the level that we did back in the day. But I think it's really important to point out when we say, like, wow, these shows are so boring now. Well, yeah, because part of the reason they're boring is because all the players come in and they're like, you know, as we face off against TSM this week, you know, it's going to be really difficult. I've been struggling really hard lately. I'm going to try it. I've been doing a bunch of solo queue. I'm going to try to turn it around. And then, like, some behind-the-scenes footage of the players, like, feeling sad when they lose or feeling happy. Like, again, I'm not saying we need to go back to what it was before, but you can't pretend that that shit was not like part of the reason it was very engaging and really interesting. And you know, stuff, the old stories about Dyrus lighting the house on fire with the microwave and like odd one getting scurvy. Like there, there's just this stuff, like the scene has matured and uh, with that maturation, maturation um, has come, you know, like less drama, less stuff getting out there, etc. I mean, we hear, uh, drama behind the scenes that is like very TMZ esque sometimes around people's significant others and all that kind of stuff. And like, mm-hmm. I don't think that stuff needs to get out, but uh, like, there is just a I lot mean, of stuff that, that you just like in the past, I think would have actually gotten out. It would have, I mean, even the like, personal stuff aside, just like what, you know, like what happened between, you know, DeMonte and 100 Thieves and, you know, like was it coaching staff, was it players, was it this, was it that. I feel like it would have been a more, drama-filled adventure in 100 old yes. days <laughs> yeah yeah it would have come out like the closest we've had to that that i can think of is like people calling licorice a snake because it got out that he was the one that was or one of the people that was like i don't feel like playing with sneaky and like then all the sneaky fans came after licorice you know and you know what it sucks that you know sneaky's not in the league anymore because that would have been some hype fucking matchups whenever they played against each other yeah I get. I guess it's true. The you've had the import rule stuff, and then also the like nobody wants Dardock stuff is like 
maybe the closest we've gotten to that. I mean, of. it still happens. It still happens. It uh, still happens. But like it, the to, teams are trying to actively hide it. Whereas in the past, like this stuff would get aired or whatever. I, we've kind of gone off on a tangent. To, to, but, to return to yeah. LS's broader point, which is what I generally agree with. It's less about like airing drama or whatever. And more about the content evolving with the viewer base and just finding newer and fresh ways to engage yep. people and not falling back into old habits. Yep. Yeah. I think, um, I think it is a really good point that like the, a lot of these shows show the team and a lot of the content shows the team. And it's like, this is about their struggles in the league and tr how they're going to try to win, which when that's what's being talked about on the broadcast, when that's being what's being talked about in the Reddit threads, when that's what's being talked about in the co-streams, etc., having more of that is less interesting than like, you know, holy shit, this player gave up so much to be part of this league. Or, or I mean, in in I know in in China and Korea, there's a lot more on like, oh my god, this player just had his like girlfriend and him just broke up because he decided to go pro and like. Now that's going to impact his ability to compete or whatever. Again, like I get a lot of stuff as personal. I'm not trying to say that, you know, we need to create like an esports TMZ or something, but like you do get a lot more of the personal stories. And I, and I, I miss that. Uh, Franz. Yeah. We've gone off on this, this tangent. I really appreciate the call and I think you've, you've raised some great points, but is there anything that you think we're missing? No, I think, yeah, I think those are like, yeah, those thing, shows like TSM Legends, I, as a viewer, I appreciate it more than not doing it, even though I do agree, like, it's, it's been repetitive since they started, I think, in 2015. Um, but, like, yeah, this, the segment on Lost was was really good, and I think there's an onus on the teams and the broadcast, um, but I also wish, like, I don't know, maybe if orgs or if uh, the broadcast could give some, like, social media training or something like that, to the players where you know the onus could be on players um they to used recognize. to yeah i mean like you know if, if they just said you know do you know some of this stuff will help get you a fan base it will help you know your 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 future fans it, that could even you know help in uh uh the future with you know getting sponsors and and just uh general uh hype around your they name used um they used to I do mean, media training, uh, and it, they would do a lot of stuff with the players, and they just don't do it anymore. And I think that the, yeah. I think Riot thinks that the teams should do it, and I, I don't know how many of the teams do it. So well, I also well, think yeah. it's partially. I mean, I I can I know for a fact in 2020 I was in meetings where we talked about superstar brand building and this kind of like like identifying the players that want to be in and working with them to help them figure out how to elevate their social media presence and stuff. How's so, that going? I know. Well, I don't know because I'm not. It's not my fucking team, dude. It's not my job. I know. Uh, I'm just... I was in one meeting about it in 2020 before COVID slapped our asses. So I don't. Yeah. I don't know where it went from there. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, uh, Franz, thank you so much for the call. Anything you want to say before we move on to the next caller? Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Shout out to to you guys, best three content creators in the scene. Uh, yeah. Really appreciate you guys. Um, shout out to my brother, my brother Sam. I think he's in Twitch chat right now. He's in Thailand teaching English to. To little kids uh that's doing awesome some good stuff uh shout out to alienware and game fuel uh incredible companies uh go check them out thanks guys thank you so much have a good one all right uh on to our next caller shout out to sam out there somewhere in the chat 
Harry Wow, Cesis Caroline, uh, Bucks Cabaret, Dude Upstairs, uh, Sherman, thank you for the 20 months, uh, Avura, Gundram, Seosaf, Metal, Metal Sparty, uh, Naked Homeless Man for 38 months, holy moly. Uh, D9TV gifted a sub, uh, Sandy Toes, Keaton's Wob, JFK, uh, Croissant LOL for one year, Tahizi. And we got Avacyn here. Avacyn, where are you calling from? I am calling from Oakland, California. Oakland, California. Uh, well, what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, I am here to say that I think this weekend TSM is going to 3-1 TL. Oh, we get to talk about games this weekend. Uh, we TSM do. is going to 3-1 TL. Not even 3-2. Uh, I think that's a low chance of happening. It could, but I think it's a 3-1. Why are you such a coward that you won't predict 3-0? Uh, because <laughs> I think TSM has 3-1 everything so far, and this is typical TSM fashion. Okay, okay. They've got to have that one game. They're, they they're, so to back the call up a little bit, there's been no 3-2s this whole playoff run in NA, and I think it's because these games feel super, super draft dependent, and it's rarely yes. like teams are trading back and forth. So if some team's going to win, I, I'm kind of on board that like I don't think it'll be a 3-2. We haven't we haven't seen very like most teams look pretty dead in the water in the draft once they start, start precisely living. my thought. And I think this is a mental game too. So the reason I'm arguing for TSM 3-1 is that I think TL is loaded with Santorin and Jensen who are historic chokers. Santorin hasn't won anything in a long time. He's been a two back-to-back -back finals, has come short both times. Jensen hasn't won a title since 2019 when he basically was handed two free wins from a really weak TSM roster at the time, and then a really weak Cloud9 roster as well, you know. Uh, we all know how that roster broke apart. Um, I think those players, really when it matters, don't show up. I think that Huni is weak side competent enough that Alfari's, you know, advantage isn't going to be enough. I think that Lost and Sword are the most consistent part of the TSM roster and are kind of hard to roll over in lane, and Lost has kind of shown up as a pretty dependable late game carry if things go well for him. Um, and I think Power of Evil in the, this control mage meta is in position enough that Jensen's not going to squash him in lane either. And then I think TSM, if they can keep Spica off of these awful turbo bad picks like Nidalee, are really positioned to work to those early dragons and out team fight TL in these games. Before I unleash Mark and Allison, can I just ask one question? You're sure. you're like Jensen hasn't won anything since 2019. That, that was that was not that long ago. That there were spring, there was one spring and one summer. Sagi hasn't won anything since twenty nineteen. I feel like is uh, there's a lot of players who haven't won anything since you know longer sure. than twenty nineteen. Even I, I I think that's fair enough. But if you look at how his roster has been since then, the team isn't that different. Santorin isn't. You know, he's better than Broxa, but, you know, Santorin's not the superstar that's going to change the team dynamic. And sure, Alfari's an upgrade over Impact, but I think team dynamic is very much the same. And I don't think that things are different enough that it's now Jensen's time more than it ever was before. All right, Mark's ready to go. No, I, I just have, it's, it's on that point again. It's just like, you know, this team is, isn't that different. It's like, it's their first split together. <laughs> you know, like, and they won Lock-In, you know, like, I, not like it's the same prestigious thing, but like... Sure, but TSM went 2-0 over them in the regular season. They had a very clean game against them as well. And sure, they maybe tightened up a bit, but I don't know. I'm just not inspired by I'm, I'm, I'm not. I, all I was talking about was the the the, the point about, say, <laughs> the, the roster isn't is the same. It's like, what? They, they no, the first split with this roster. You're, you're totally right. I, I think the player names are different, but I don't think the roles that they play in the way Team Liquid wins their games is all that different than... How it's been. I feel like Alfari is pretty different than Impact. Yeah. Um, 
All right, whatever. Uh, LS or Mark, which one of you wants to hop in on this first? Mark seems distracted, <clears> so <throat> LS, maybe you should handle it. Uh, so do you, TSM, just, do you agree? <laughs> T- well, no. I mean, TSM was in losing spots against 100 Thieves. I mean, do we do we agree that they were they were in losing spots like pretty consistently in the games? Yeah. And they should have even lost some of those games. I mean, I'm asking uh, the caller. No, absolutely. I think it was a okay. pretty bad series in terms of gameplay those ways. But I specifically identified looking to those team fight wins. You know, TSM got their advantages and they got their wins by beating Hundred Thieves at these pretty critical moments by out team fighting them. And I think that if they can shore up their weaknesses with like bad Nidalee picks and the bad early dragon control, then I think they can put themselves in winning positions. Um, I think, well, I think that, I think that that's kind of weird. Cause I think a hundred thieves is one of their biggest problems is their team fighting is absolute dog shit. <laughs> Ryoma and FBI do random things in team fights. I mean, some days clearing Baron wards when there's an elder spawning, um, they're not poking. You have Ryoma jumping in and, you know, not flashing things like, I, 100 Thieves' team fighting is atrocious, right? Uh, but the same isn't said for Team Liquid. I don't think I, I think Team Liquid would hand 100 Thieves 3-0, and I don't think they would be behind in lane. I don't think they would be in losing game spots. Um, I mean, we can't just say it's a bad series for for TSM when when TSM is literally a roller coaster at a theme park when it comes to their gameplay and their drafts and everything else they do. Uh, it it just strikes me really weird because. I don't think you'd ever think that 100 Thieves would get such winning game states against Team Liquid or even Cloud9, but somehow when TSM is literally getting bailed out by an act of God, which is, you know, Ryoma, um, and, you know, FBI just walking up into range, getting gibbed before things, uh, someday literally teleporting into the middle of a team fight and dying and all these other things, we somehow reach the conclusion that they're going to be in a, a better spot against vastly better players who are actually known for winning games when behind even due to their team fighting versus the team that really fucking sucks at team fighting. And it just to, strikes me as weird. To combo off that a little bit, like a lot of hundred thieves drafts were not team fight oriented drafts. Like they were like triple marksman range priority based, like, you know, comps. They're not like front to back team fight or, or even necessarily like, you know, we're going to dive and flank and like, you know, they're, they're not really team fight based composition. So when this team fucks up in the mid game and kind of throws the leads that they're more early game oriented comp is supposed to have, then it's, is it like the other team is, a, is like TSM that much better at team fighting than, than hundred thieves or did they just draft control mages every game and have Huni on like an actual frontline champion that didn't get shut down that hard and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with all those points for sure, and they're definitely weaknesses to point out, but I think it kind of doesn't take into account a team's ability to reflect on a series like that and practice a week and work towards those improvements. Um, you know, we saw a TSM that one week played incredibly clean games in their regular season games, the next week floundered, the next week played well. I think that one weekend series isn't indicative of the story of a whole split um, and their performance and ability to adapt week to week. Um, you know, I honestly have the kind of faith in Bjergsen's ability that, you know, he's new to coaching, but I've seen this team kind of level up. They leveled up last playoffs, and sure, you can make the argument that they had Bjergsen, you know, in the driver's seat, able to pull those miracle games back. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just see that these are players that have, like, that kind of clutch potential, um, and I am I have faith in their ability to kind of adapt. 
Okay, so I, I guess to, to, to chain off what you're saying, right? Um, you're saying that like uh, TSM has a good week, bad week, good week, bad week. I would say that it was it was a lot more volatile than that. They had really bad weeks, two really good weeks, I guess, and then a lot of very bad weeks and mediocre weeks, right? Um, especially with the level of NAS play being considerably weak and a lot of teams that were on the higher end uh, gradually falling off, right? So if the argument is that um, a bad series against literally 100 Thebes, who uh, it looks very, very weak. Like, there's a very big separation, right? Okay, um, Team Liquid had a lot of very good weeks, and it wasn't until they just lost the series against Cloud9. So, using your own words, I mean, why, why can Team Liquid not take a week off and reflect and come back better when they haven't shown an ability to really lose to anyone except for Cloud9? What? Let me throw the, the caller lifeline here and ask you guys this. Sure. Okay. So, so obviously last year we had, uh, and please be nice to me. Um, obviously last year we had, we had TSM lose to Golden Guardians, go down into the loser's bracket, almost get 3-0'd by Golden Guardians, then start to turn yep. around in this, then obviously they were better the next week, then obviously they were the better, they win summer finals, they go in to get 0-6. But let's ignore the 0-6. Like this was a team that, and obviously a different roster, but the TSM has shown before that they have the ability to get better uh, week over week. So, is there any chance for you guys? Do you think that there's, hey, you know, when you you look at last year's summer, does that give you any hope for their potential this weekend? I I think last year's summer, a lot of those games they should have lost. Um, and it was literally Bjergsen showing up like Superman at the end of Justice League and um, <laughs> managing Spoiler. to literally just like pull pull rabbits out of a hat. Um, they don't have that this time around. I think, I think the context of that Miracle run um, is extremely important to how they pulled it off. And also I would say that this roster is not as good um, as the previous roster relative to the level of competition that they're also going up against. And I would attribute that mostly to the absence of Bjergsen. Um, and in a he's best still of five, there. I think that's... Yeah. Yeah, dude, he's <laughs> yeah. about to pass out that zillion pick for, for PoE, right? That that just... Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what's going to happen. All of a sudden, you know? zillion's going to pop up, him. and it's going to turn out that the whole split, they were working on the zillion yeah. tech behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, I just think it's a 3-0 for a TL. Yeah, I'm, I might give him a game uh, because, you know, TL, I mean, I think a lot of the things that went wrong for TL in their series versus C9 are not replicatable mm -hmm. for TSM. Like, when a team loses, sometimes you're like, ooh, there's an interesting blueprint where, like, maybe they can do some of those things. Like, yeah. what is, like, other than maybe, like, give Huni Scion, I'm not sure, like, what is, is PoE going to start just fucking, like, 2 3 uh Silas, as soon as the enemy team locks in Seraphim for Jensen, like, you know, because that was a huge wrench that, that C9 was just like, fuck, you deal with this, this Silas counterpick, uh, that, so you have to put Core JJ on Seraphim. Like, we haven't seen, uh, PoE play anything but control mages. Basically, the entire split aside for like one offs of like, here's a Lucian game. I think he had like a Rumble game or something random, you know, like, those kinds of things just don't, like that's uh, not in TSM's wheelhouse at all. So like they have to find their own way to beat TL if they're going to do it completely. I guess my my final point is that a lot of the um a lot of the points that you brought up uh not you Mark um Call uh, 
yeah, the caller, the caller. I I blanked on the name. Sorry. Um, the same exact things that you're saying as to why TSM can somehow walk away from the Cloud Nine series and then or a hundred thieves series and be good for the TL series. The same exact things could be said for TL. Um, but TL's track record throughout the entire season, their level of play, who they actually did lose to, which was Cloud9, the manner in which they lost, like Mark was just talking about, um, in terms of replicating it, right? That was that was very weird uh, for Alfari. Um, it doesn't make any sense. I, I, I don't think uh, I don't think it's very logical, right? Because all the all the arguments that used to support TSM's ability to improve, you should also be able to apply to Team Liquid. Because there's nothing indicative of anything special. TSM doesn't draft unique. They don't do unique things. They're not ahead of the meta on even beating a calculator. I mean, look at their Herald rotations. Um, and a, a lot of other things. There, there's nothing to indicate that coaching would actually play a part in this one-week time span that you couldn't also attribute to Team Liquid behind the scenes. Wait. So it just doesn't make any sense, I think. Hang on. We've been looking at yeah. this all wrong because we talked uh -huh. about the TSM Miracle Run. But you just pointed okay. out the problems TL had this past week. So what if instead of a TSM Miracle run, there's a TL disaster run uh, where they it's actually not a situation where TSM gets better. The caller in the beginning mentioned Santorin and Jensen being big chokers. Now, that, that's the type of stuff you just read about on the TSM subreddit all the time. But <laughs> like what what if there are some issues with TL this weekend? And that's what if they they seem to be faltering, they're falling apart here. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, I got, you know, I that that one, that one's a lot harder, right? They, they lost to cloud nine. Um, I do agree their drafts were terrible. Uh, you know, um, I mean, I think both of them were cloud nine and teal respectively, but a lot of it was very, just very snowball-y stuff. So I don't know that, I mean, that could be, that could be true. Right. But it's conjecture. I'm, I'm helping, helping the caller out here. Okay. We're just yeah. giving <laughs> some, some extra, extra points. Uh, Ava, thanks so much for the call. I'm sorry that, uh, that it's, you're, you're facing such resistance, but, uh, <laughs> such, I mean, I such is the plight it. of many a TSM fan for many it years. Is. So hopefully you're. You're used to it. Uh, do you have anything you want to shout out? Yeah, yeah. Quick shout outs, of course, Alienware. Um, I would give half a shout out to Game Fuel. They, for some reason, won't take my credit card. It's kind of for weird. Uh, it works everywhere else. Don't know why Game Fuel site won't take it, but I'd love to order a case if I could. Tweet it. Um, I maybe will. Uh, and then a quick shout out to my good friend, uh, John Peter Valentine. He publishes fantasy novels on Amazon. I know you guys are big fantasy novel fans. Um, he makes some great stuff. Check out the Nothing Mage on Amazon. And uh, otherwise, Thanks for the bringing me in, and have a good night. Have a good night. Thanks. Good night. We're going to take a quick break, actually, to talk about this week's special sponsor, this week and next week. Uh, we have Game Fuel online. I'm pulling up my notes so that I can make sure I get uh, all all their stuff. Did I say Game Fuel? I said, I said Grubhub, right? Am I losing my mind? We've got Grubhub. I'm going to switch over to their logo right now so that just in, just in case I uh, I messed up here. We got Grubhub online. We'll talk about Gamefield later. Uh, and part of the reason that they are, are sponsoring is so that I can help make sure that you are all aware that they are, this week, hosting the first ever Feeding Frenzy on Friday the 9th uh, in partnership with Buffalo Wild Wings. And uh, there's actually a ton of people that are going to be involved. In fact, let me go ahead and pull up the information here. It's Yasuo versus Night Blue, uh, Lux Bunny, Yvonne, Dyrus, Medios, and more to be announced. 
It's happening at uh, 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern. Um, and it's, it's going to be really exciting. You can go check it out, at, again, this Friday on Grubhub's YouTube channel. So go be sure to check it out. Uh, some friends of mine are casting, but I think I'm not allowed to say who yet. Hopefully that information comes out very soon. And uh, as part of this, Grubhub has actually, actually here, I've got it right next to me. Uh, you guys might have seen me tweet this in the beginning of the year before I was before I got any kind of sponsorship from them. They were just nice enough to send this to me. Uh, they made a hundred of these these custom Hextech chests uh, that have some cool stuff on them. They open, uh, and inside is a whole slew of stuff, including a hundred dollar Grubhub gift card, uh, a pizza delivery sieve, and more. And we're giving one of these away. Uh, so right now, if you are watching on Twitch, you can do exclamation mark giveaway. Everybody's going to do it all at once, and then it'll Nightbot will only be able to do so many of them. But click the link that comes up. Uh, and we, there's a bunch of ways for you to enter. We're going to do this this week and next week. And then we're gonna, one lucky winner will get one. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, obviously link is in the description there as well. But again, uh, be sure to check out Feeding Frenzy. It's going to be really cool this Friday, uh, April 9th. It's neat that they're doing this ahead of leading into... Uh, mid-season showdown which they are also sponsoring um, and by the way thank you to them for the uh, 25 gifted subs in the chat earlier but yeah thank you so much and uh, if you know it's I would just say you're also doing me a favor when you enter these giveaways because uh, it's nice I think when sponsors see like wow a ton of Travis's audience went and uh, supported the sponsorship and entered the giveaway so uh, best of luck hopefully you win something if not it's really helpful and uh, thanks so much to Grubhub for sponsoring the uh the show what i haven't told mark yet but i will right now oh, is that on next week's episode i might need him to to eat some food with me a little bit before the start of the show it's paid for by grubhub i, I can hook you up ashley can get something too mark all right whatever we'll That's talk great. more about that later uh thanks so much to grubhub for sponsoring the show and i think we're ready for the next caller uh, thank you to uh, Tahizi for the six months, uh, Dark Lorik for the month, uh, Zero U for the Prime, Techno Weeb thirty-seven months, D Nine gifted a sub to Raz, uh, Rennie the Croc for the six months, uh, the Divert Race gifted a sub, C Nine Fudge. I think during the call where we were praising Fudge a ton, he decided to sub, which is like unsurprising. What, what did he sub with? Uh, it was a tier one, not a prime. Oh. Yeah, he's not a primer. Wow, uh, I don't know how many very, very for that one. Fez is here. <laughs> Fez, where are you calling from? Uh, calling from Gulf Shores, Alabama. Gulf Shores. Have you called him before? Yes. A few yeah. Times. Welcome, welcome back. I, I recognize the name. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? So I want to talk about how the Hundred Thieves coaching staff should be taking a huge portion of the blame for the team's steady decline. The fourth place finish, which a lot of fans and even stuff I've heard is is miles away from the rest of the top three, which is kind of sad to think about from where they came from in lock-in. And the team seems, all these issues seem to see, stem from the team having no synergy at all, which is crazy to think about where, where they are and where they came from. And LS saying this team is called 100 Sins is so spot on as they keep making mistakes in and out of the game. Sometimes I think LS has a ghostwriter that helps him come up with ways to dog on teams. Uh, can't be this clever and this smart, right? Yeah, like yeah. He's, well, he's listen, got someone. 
He says he doesn't take notes, but in reality, he's got a script in front of him where he's like, okay, I got to get this in. I got to say that they can't beat a calculator. (laughs) Um, Everyone's talking about McDonald's, but no one talks about 100 100 Subway, you know, in top lane. (laughs) Who knows what's going to happen next? He's going to end up on YouTube with Malad. Both both of those dining options, I believe, available on Grubhub. Um, Anyway, so, so let's talk... Yeah, let's talk a little bit about this. Um, first, I've got I've got an interview with uh, Zix that's going up um, probably tomorrow or the day after for people that want to see a conversation with the coaching staff. But, you know, let me ask you really quick, Fez. A lot of people said Hunter T was going to be fourth. Uh, Mark, on his preseason rankings, said third. And that was like, he was like, oh, I'm going big by like that was his big kind of his his upset on the rankings was to put them third instead of fourth. So, and Mark very much agrees with me based off of the expression he has on his face right now. So all I'm saying is like, is it really that crazy that they ended up in the place that the vast majority of people placed them in the preseason rankings? I think it's more so like the way they got there and how bad they looked getting there, especially considering they could have, I mean, several analysts and people have said that they could have literally lost a majority of those games rather than win them. And I think like this, Thing between analysts and fans and all this is has I have been labeling them a hundred excuses because there's just a hundred and hundred excuses on why this team is not doing good and why it's okay and and why it'll get better but it just seems just like they're just doing that they're just making excuses Papa Smithy constantly apologizing saying he's going to fix the issues but like I said the biggest thing is the coaching staff should be on the hot seat and and if I were Papa Smithy I would be putting that hot the hot seat on them putting the heat on them because it's absolutely ridiculous how good this team looked initially and how bad they look finishing fourth wouldn't it make more sense to put them on the hot seat than put the hot seat on them (laughs) shut the fuck up (laughs) all right we got like five more callers to go (laughs) you know all right uh 30 minutes uh the callers hitting a lot of my points i mean i don't know about like the whole assigning blame, you know, where you want to target your your blame. Uh, but at least on the point about like, it's not about where you necessarily finish. It's like how you get there and what happened along the way, you know, like, um, yeah, I put them third, they got fourth, uh, but they looked so good during play uh, play-ins. And it's not just that like other teams started beating them with their own style, you know, and like, oh, you're going back and forth and, you know, I think the way, at least when I watch LPL, like I often see the teams who are losing the games going for what they want to do, and like you know, at least someone executing, or maybe failing executing it, but at least like that's like what that team does. I felt like Hundred Thieves just like slipped away and just drifted off into nothingness, and like they have really talented players, and that's why they're still fourth, uh, just on like a lot of individual talent. Um, but I don't think uh, they came together i think i think they're worse than the sum of their parts in a lot of ways which is uh why i think a lot of people are critical because it was a team with uh, inbuilt synergy and stuff like that yeah uh uh, i i think it's an interesting situation because i i immediately after the uh, hunter t's loss i asked some friends um you know like what does hunter t do now like if you are papa smithy and you've got okay you've got the coaching staff you've got these players you've got all this stuff like it's it's really difficult for me to think about what they do to try to crack the top three, um, and I I don't know. Like it's I'm so fascinated to see how they approach summer because you kind of just get the feeling that 
this team can't get their their shit together. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to be like, bring back DeMonte, but I don't think that's going to get them in the top three. Um, I don't know. LS, what do you, what do you think of all this? Um, besides so importing every trading. time it comes to coach. Yeah. Every time it comes to coaching, it's, it's ultimately conjecture, right? You don't get enough, um, insight. So I don't know if I talked about this the last time I was on here or I talked about it somewhere else, but one of the ways that I try to measure things gradually throughout a split is intent. Um, because intent tells you regardless what the person might or might not be practicing. Right. Um, and that's why I think like pro view is so important, uh, because you can see like a player's clicks, you can get uh, direct access basically into their psyche. Um, when you see their clicks, um, you know, they're doing on like a subconscious level. It's like autopilot. Um, so when you see things throughout the course of the split, you see limited champion pools, you see same pattern drafting, same style, everything. When you see <clears throat> losing to calculator, herald rotations, uh, when you see players failing the first three waves uh, of their lane phase and stuff and over and over and over, it leads me to think there's no coaching or it's player-led coaching um, or that the coach doesn't actually know what to fix or what to do. Um, and I think a lot of this uh, stems from a lot... Of, uh, i got to be really careful. i got to tread lightly here. I don't want to fucking go too hard, but um, ultimately it's a lot of conjecture. I agree that 100 Thieves it has no identity, um, they're random, and I think that if there was an influence in coaching, a lot of things that there is going on in their gameplay would not be present or it wouldn't be as egregious as it is um, relative to the level of players that they have. Um, however, I think that you could probably swap out uh, the staffs for many teams across the world and you would probably have very similar results. Um, and this is just my experience from being a fly on the wall for so many different pro players across so many different regions, and sometimes even at points being called in to scrims or whatnot uh, over the years. Um, I think coaches get a lot more blame um, and also simultaneously a lot more praise uh, because people just conflate winning with good coaching all the time. I think that's insane. Um, yeah. Ultimately, it's all conjecture. I do, however, agree there should have been some sort of identity by now, and there isn't. So that an absence of identity, I think, is a direct byproduct of poor coaching. Right. Um, and I wanted to ask you this question directly, LS, but the biggest thing that, that irritates me is that uh, I know there is a lot of conjecture in it, but coaching also, I feel like, has a lot of say in who they pick as their players. And I feel that... If you pick these players and they're not performing, that is still your fault in some sort of way. Because you still have to assume responsibility for picking the players that are now turning out these results. Uh, not always. Coaches don't always have a say on okay, the players. Yeah, that, that, that was the, basically the question I did want to answer, is how much power in your experience have you seen coaches have? On oh, uh, I think it's very rare that... Um, I think it's very, very rare that coaches have... Uh, complete autonomy or complete control or complete power um, because most of the people that are going to make those decisions they actually aren't equipped to evaluate whether or not that person should be given that power and I think the only cases where it actually happens is when there's people that have uh, several titles under their belt because that's all the higher-ups can actually look at because they don't have any discernibility they can't actually if you put 10 different coaches in a room, the person who's going to make that call can't tell the difference between any of them. 
if it's just a blind test with like you know uh blinds on they they can't you know and they they're only fed the answers um so ultimately it's very rare that higher ups will levy that kind of power to someone unless there's something tangible for them to interact with because they themselves can't possibly know and discernibility i think is a really 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 big problem with coaching um as well as scouting because uh, i think it's actually a skill set that most people aren't equipped to do uh at least on a strategical front i think uh fudge also made a good point in twitch chat about like can i go to the bathroom really quick i have yeah. earphones so i can still hear you guys but okay. uh, yeah you're good okay yeah as long as we can't hear you peeing uh the, the thing that Fudge said that, that I agree with as well was like, um, you know, a lot of teams are player run and a lot of players actually even like that in, in a sense, you know, like uh, I've, I've heard a lot of players have that kind of sentiment. And so like from the interviews that you've done, Travis, which are so great about, you know, digging into some of the decision making there, it sounds like a lot of the players had an opinion on should they try out a new mid laner and some of this stuff? No, what the hell? Ever I don't. Everybody just needs to just realize that like Ryoba is playing because the players wanted him to play. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you can just say it because because like yeah, I mean like if that's the case, like you as a coach, are you just going to override the five players if you disagree? And I mean, you get into really interesting questions about the power and who technically controls it. And I've heard players in teams where coaches are the authority and they are the king and they decide what happens, you know, and they don't like that. And I've heard, you know, a lot of players complain about that. I've also heard fans and people complain when the players have too much power, you know, it, I don't think it's necessarily one size fits all answer to that question. But like, I also think that a lot of the times, you know, like you are balancing a lot of personalities and stuff too, which goes, it goes into a, an aspect of coaching that, you know, people talk about drafts, people talk about, game knowledge and, and a lot of that stuff, but there is a the the human component to it as well. And so, you know, to Alice's point, we have no fucking clue exactly. It's a lot of conjecture, but at least like on the outside, the things that you want to see is the team getting better, making improvements, or at the very least narrowing in on something, whether that's a play style and, you know, this kind of stuff. And and it didn't feel like 100 Thieves improved and it didn't feel like they narrowed in in a lot of ways. Well, and, and, and I just, I just, that a staff should be helping with the most. I do want to clarify too and just say like I don't it's not to say that I don't think coaching staff had any input on like the Ryama Damonte thing. I mean Zix in the interview that I did with him, uh, which again people can can watch it'll come out soon, he talks about he's like, Yeah, we every week we thought long and hard about if we had made a mistake on this and we consistently decided that it was best to continue to play this player. My point is like I, I I think that the decision to bring Ryoma in probably came as much from, for instance, his roommate, FBI, <laughs> um, as it did maybe from, from Zix. And some of this is speculation, yes, but some of it is also born off of public statements that everybody has made around the stuff, and you can kind of read between the lines and, and come to a pretty clear place. I mean, we had an arrow on not too recently, or not too long ago, and he was saying, like, if the players didn't want to be playing with Ryoma, Ryoma wouldn't be on that team, so... I don't know. Uh, I just, I think, I think uh, if you if you are Zix, I think you're in a really tough situation because Hundred T, I think, is they spent a lot of money to get these players. Uh, they have players that last year people thought had a ton of potential, and a team that looked seemingly in a lot of ways better than they did now, though possibly because the league was weaker. And uh, and it doesn't look like there's a. I it's hard for me to find the path forward for this this team 
where suddenly they go from fourth to third or where they look way better or something. I don't know. Maybe it'll happen, but I, I, I worry I, if I was six, I'd be, it's, it's a tough position to be in. I think is the best way to put it. Um, Fez, sorry, we're kind of going through callers quick uh, yeah. because we got, four yeah. to go. I'll um, be quick. if you want to say anything here at the end, uh, that's fine. Also beyond your, your shout outs, which of course you're due. I'll just do it real quickly and you guys don't even have to respond it. I, I just think I know a lot of people give Tommy a lot of heat, but I really don't. I think he being him was a big mistake because it's causing a lot more problems than it's solving in my opinion. I like that but, you start with people give him a lot of heat, but also he deserves. So it. here's some more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One, of, one of the, one of the things before we move on from this topic that I, yeah. that I do want to talk about is one of the things that lets us not use conjecture, right? Is actually those shows. Uh, like the behind-the-scenes footage, right? Um, and I will say that usually those shows actually, I think, are a lot worse-looking than people realize uh, when they look at s some of the ways that the feedback sessions are, the things that they're talking about or prioritizing, because I think it totally misses the mark. Um, I think overarching concepts are, like, uh, talked about way more than... Well, I mean, I don't know, right? Because it's glimpses. Um, but I think that when glimpses happen for a prolonged period enough time, it's like almost measuring actions more than words over a long period of time, which I think is very honest. Yeah. Well, here, sorry, Fez, you have shout outs. Oh, just one. It's for my wife for putting up with me. <laughs> That's an amazing <laughs> shout out. Thank you, Fez. Uh, have a good rest of your evening. All right. Uh, on to uh, our <laughs> to our next caller, Twitch chat. Love that. Uh, let's see. Unorthodox happenstance. Thank you. Hope you're holding it down. Here it's very hot where you're at. The big baz for the 27 months. Maury wakes 15. Uh, Star char 21. Spicy plays. Magical claws. Spawn says hi, Travis. Can you please tell Mark and Alice I'm a big fan of them both. Well, uh, oh, that Mark is back, so you're good. Evelyn nest for four months and Danny Grimm for 18. We got J and T on the show. Uh, one half of the the show, the podcast that he does with Blue Jay. Anyway, J and T, remind everybody where you're calling from. Uh, San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, Texas. Uh, sometime on another show where we have more time, I'm gonna have to ask you how you and Blue Jay came to know each other and do the show. But let's get your topic. What do you want to talk about? Uh, basically, wanted to discuss how I thought that in the Cloud Nine versus Team Liquid series, I thought. It was more of Cloud9 playing extremely well rather than Team Liquid underperforming. I think people had a lot to say, you know, about Santorin and Alfari in terms of, you know, their quote unquote poor performances, which I, I didn't, yes, they didn't, you know, necessarily play up to their standard, but I didn't think that they played particularly bad by any means. Uh, I still believe that, you know, Team Liquid is, you know, a top two team in the LCS. I think there's you know, an argument could still be made that Team Liquid is the number one team in the LCS. And, you know, they're like a clear step above TSM. I'm definitely on the same opinion that going to be a, a stomp, I think, in the <laughs> Team Liquid favor against TSM. But you thought um, C9 overperformed more than TL underperformed? Yeah. Like, so, like, I don't think this series from this past weekend is any indication of what the finals is going to look like. I think the finals will still be a very competitive series. I think there is, like, some very small adjustments that Team Liquid can make, like, draft-wise. I know LS loves to talk about draft. Um but I, I don't think that, you know, the finals is going to be as much of a stomp as it was this weekend. 
Before LS launches into it, it's just funny. I'm watching Twitch and like just I'm on a bit of a delay, and he kept alternating between nodding and shaking his head at your points. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, at which point was he agreeing or disagreeing with? Because yeah. I'm on delay now, so I'm excited to hear what what LS uh, agreed and disagreed with. Well, well, and really quickly, no. I just want to point out this is a bit of a hot take because I think everyone, even down to Team Liquid's coach in an interview that will come out soon with Chat, said that uh, he he felt like they had a really bad day. Uh, not he wasn't using it as an excuse, but he thought TL underperformed. I think uh, even we were talking about it on an earlier call. Uh, obviously, some speculation about uh, destruction. What did we What did we were saying? Instead of miracle run, destruction run, um, disaster. Oh run. yeah. So yep. so uh, it's it's interesting to hear you you put it this way, uh, LS. Let's let's hear what you were nodding and shaking your head against uh, as he was talking. I. Yeah, I agree they're a top two team in the league. I don't think that they're better than Cloud9, and I don't think that their ceiling is probably higher than Cloud9. Um, and so I, you know, I'm, I'm more hopeful for Cloud9 to uh, take the cake, but also just like going into summer, I think uh, it's probably different. Um, and I attribute a lot of that just due to, again, the draft. Um, how versatile it seems to be, whereas Team Liquid... I mean, they do some stuff, right? Uh, I mean, not in a good way. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Jensen's midline picks are definitely radioactive. Um, but it, it's <clears throat> uh, besides that, it seems very in, not flexible, uh, Team Liquid, uh, the way that they approach stuff. So in that regard, I don't have as high hopes. Um, I completely agree that I think this last uh, weekend was sort of an anomaly. I think it was way too hard of a stomp. I still favored Cloud9, but I didn't think it would be as bad as it was. Um, I think Cloud9 and TL were both kind of off on that day, but TL way more so. And I agree that the final should be a lot better in general. Alice, I, I'm a little confused because <laughs> whenever I see... Don't, don't, don't react. Um, whenever I see <laughs> on Twitter... C9 does any C9 match happens the drafting ban and pick goes through and then I look at Twitter and I constantly see you making a comment about C9's draft and how it has injured you or created so, long-term health issues or something. I will so. say I don't want to get too far into C9 draft because Mahmood does have a call around okay, C9 okay, draft. Okay. We'll, we'll hold uh, off on it, but so I don't, I don't want to get too into the weeds about the C9 drafts. I, you know, but obviously we have to talk about it a little bit with this take. Sure. Um, uh, but I, I uh, to, to comment on the you know, TL performing a little bit worse. I, I do agree with that. I think um, in particular, they, like, Core JJ was almost an afterthought that series. Like, I can't think of how many times I mentioned Core JJ in the analyst desk segments after the games, you know, which is, like, MVP, uh, generally considered one of the best players in the league, and, like, I'm hardly talking about this guy. And Alfari, yeah. I think, is better than Fudge. Um, Fudge outplayed the hell out of him that series, I'd say. Um, and so, like, the fact that there wasn't really a single like I, I I said I think in the in the in the countdown that like I expected there to be times where Fudge would outplay um, Alfari and Alfari would outplay Fudge, but there wasn't actually I don't really think a, a, a time where Alfari just actually won a lane against him like hard in any significant way. I'm trying to remember there there might be but the the gangplank Scion game two. Uh, yeah, I mean like he 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 won that. I mean that was a, a really weird. I mean self. I don't know why they they picked sign into G. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was yeah. hella troll. Uh, so I guess you know that was uh, one. I almost chalked that more up to like Fudge doing that to himself than anything. <laughs> um, so so you know I, I don't I don't mean to say that Alfari um, 
didn't didn't play like played bad the whole series or anything. But just I thought it would be more back and forth. Whereas I felt like it was you know pretty pretty solidly in Fudge's favor that that series. So um, I do think you know seeing what else TL can have prepared in the week uh, for other things that they might want to play in the Scion or or what they want to do is interesting. Um, and so I, I think it, it should be a closer finals than we show, but I don't think enough to change the expected C9 win. Uh, LS, do you have any anything to react to, Caller or Mark here? No, I mean, I, 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 I agreed with all those points, and I agreed with the Caller um, and the points that he listed, and yeah. Uh, I listed why I think Cloud9 is probably just overall better. I think ultimately, I, I with all the rosters being the way that they are in summer, unless there's some like Hail Mary imports that come in in summer, um, I think that LCS is going to be a two-team rodeo um, in summer between just TL and Cloud9. Um, and so really, the finals of summer is not TL versus Cloud9. It's actually whoever the fuck is the third seed for Worlds. So that's the real finals. That is, uh, that's what everyone's chasing after. We're actually in a eight-team region right now. Okay. And uh, there's only it, one world you know? spot. Yeah, eight-team yeah. region. There's only one spot. world spot left. The other two have already <laughs> been claimed. Welcome to LEC. Um, so yeah, J and T. Uh, you know these guys. They seem to disagree. What you... Yeah, I mean, what I will say is that I definitely agree with LS when he says that Cloud9 has the better ceiling because I, throughout the entirety of Spring Split, I always had that opinion that Cloud9 has the higher ceiling than Team Liquid. But I do think that you know Team Liquid has you know is the more consistent teams in terms of you know their ability to play close to their ceiling. I think you know when you look at Cloud9 through the through the Spring Split. A lot of it was, you know, off the back of Blabber doing a ton in the early game and him creating a ton of the leads for Cloud9. But when Cloud9 is at their best, we did sort of see that in this series when Fudge is able to hone, hold his own against Alfari and sometimes even outplay him. And Perks mm -hmm. doing, you know, Perks things. And I, I thought specifically in his game three where, you know, while he was getting heavily camped in mid lane, I think Team Liquid you had, they, they had some really nice coordinated dives mid lane. You know, was still going even in CS, you know, playing the scaling matchup and the Rise versus the Silas, and, you know, him just doing a ton of work in the mid and late game, I think. It was always a question for Cloud9 of when Perks was going to sort of activate, and, you know, it's kind of come true in this playoffs with playoffs Perks coming back out. And yes, I'm still of the opinion that Cloud9 is the favorite going into the finals. I, I still do think that, you know, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't anything like the 100 Thieves TSM series where one team is just playing extremely poor and, you know, it, they have no hope. I think Team Liquid definitely still does have some hope. I think, you know, well, Cloud9, I think, did put a lot of focus into Alfari in the top lane. And I think, you know, Team Liquid could maybe shift up their play style a little bit GNT. to let Alfari work his mojo. What, uh, do you have any shout outs or plugs? Um, no, not really. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for calling in. <laughs> Yeah, no problem. Have a good, have a good one. Have a good one. Off to grab the next caller. Uh, we got the Ghost Rider for 18 months. Howie and the Stash. Uh, and Adecredo Justice. Thank you to all of our subs. Really appreciate it. If you have a Prime, maybe you drop it on this channel right now while we wait for Mark. Because then it gives me something to read and to fill the silence so that it's not just us sitting here awkwardly waiting for Mark to show up because then 
I have a name and perhaps a number of months that somebody <coughs> has subbed that I can call out and because Mark is taking an abnormally long time. Oh, and we got Mahmood here. Mahmood, welcome back to the show. Where are you calling from? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My brothers, uh, Alas, my brother, Mark, my brother, Travis, my brother, uh, calling from Phoenix, Arizona. My, 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 it's so hot in here. It is so hot. My AC <laughs> broke. My AC broke. I'm upstairs and my brain is frying, but I'm still here. It shows my passion for you guys. I love you guys. Okay. I appreciate that. So uh, I don't know if LS, did you ever have a call with Mamu before or no? Okay. Yeah. Cause no. he's, he's a huge fan of yours. And, uh, <laughs> So, you know, I thought it was it was appropriate to finally have him on. And he, most interesting, it's a time where he's actually disagreeing with you. So I thought this was, like, okay. you know, just so oh, much aligning. Oh, this is going to be good. Okay. Yeah, Ella, so, like, you know, your content, HLL content, it's kind of dry. So I have to bring, you know, bring some heat, you know. I'm sorry. I have to bring <laughs> some heat. So, like, you okay. know. You know, uh, my initial proposition was about you. You know, uh, you know, I was talking about T1LS. Very sad you did not get the coaching job. Maybe you can touch on this later. You know, I kind of have some questions. But you know, we, anyway, not, so, not on this show. But feel, okay. feel free to give your take. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, take is like uh, the draft in game one of TL vs9. It was exquisite. One of the best I've ever seen. Like I understand they're sinning. Okay, you're there sinning. It's fine, but sometimes you have to sin. All humans are sinners, okay? No <laughs> one is going without sin, okay, in this world, okay? So you have to think, like Sven was saying it in his interview with Travis, like you have to think about players' comforts, like comfort bigs. Not all of them are robots. They can't play like all the crazy, like, oh, you know, he's playing scaling, you know, oh, their macro's crazy, like this is that. So Sven, you know, he said the draft is good because they were on comfort bigs. And they also bought Gorge GG off of like playmaking support. So it was very good against TL. So, you know, you, you come at me now. Come at me. <laughs> so, yeah. So I guess to sum it up, your take is, hey, that draft was actually good, even if, if uh, Ellis disagrees with it, because the players themselves feel comfortable on those champions. And so even if the matchup in a in a neutral way is not favorable, given C9, it, it does become favorable. Um, so in regards to player interviews, um, in regards to thoughts on like draft and anything like that, I think whenever it's happening in an official medium, um, there's always going to be a bit of fluff, um, because they're worried about blowback. Um, stuff that I would cite is, um, the complete polarity between, uh, Fudge's interviews on LCS or other official places and the things that he says on the co-streams with me. Um... So I would I would just like put that out there. Uh, players are not always inherently honest in interviews, um, it, except for in my interviews, those. right? LS. What? <clears throat> except for Travis's. Thank absolutely. you. Jesus. Travis extracts the cold yeah. hard truth. Yeah. Travis's yeah. best interview. Thank you. So, um, I think that's a really important part. Uh, because what what can Sven say about the? I mean, he can say that the draft's really bad, right? Um, but then what it, what kind of a message is that really sending, right? That that can be very inflammatory. Um, and so if it's in an official medium um, where it's supposed to be recorded, documented, and, you know, all this other stuff, barring Reddit clips, anything that's going to be said on, like, a private personal stream doesn't often actually expand beyond um, that instance, right? Um, unless it goes up on Reddit or on a YouTube clip and it goes viral or something like that. So... Um, that's my initial response to player interviews, uh, generally. Um, 
so there's that. Game one draft, it's really weird uh, because when you look at it um, in a vacuum, yes, you have Renekton and Decyon, you have Udyr and Nidalee. Um, Nidalee, uh, now with her current build of like Everfrost, uh, she's not even doing Moonstone Renewer, she doesn't have value to do it here. Um, her item is actually, she's she requires more gold than Udyr does um, in order to be relevant. And then you have Ashbrom versus Jinx uh... and... Oh no no no! That's that's the last game. That's the last game. Okay. All right. So let's go. Uh, okay. So you oh do need notes. Thank God. I do. I need feel notes, so much man. better. I do need calling back to our first discussion. <laughs> that, yeah, that draft was fucking. You know, I mean, that one was uh, that one was something as well. Um, all right. So the first game was the Urgot. Then the Urgot Renekton. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the Urgot Renekton. Uh, if uh, Urgot sorry, doesn't sorry, fall to to interrupt. Yep. Uh, Woman told you to not say bad words. You have to listen to women. Okay, come on. Okay, all right. This one, this one was uh, this one was the Silas blind by perks, right? And then the yeah. response was Ari, which isn't a champion. So like, I can agree that that one is is super terrible. Um, in this game, if Ezreal, Seraphine, and Urgot are just like on even footing or even slightly, just just slightly behind um, their opponents, everything's still just going to be fine. Because ultimately, this Cloud9 team composition, you could argue that it's supposed to be able to have control over like early dragons or something. So then I would say, okay, third dragon is, is normally the reference point that I use. So third dragon typically is uh, anywhere from 17 to 21 minutes in game timer, right? So if you assume the average gold of all the champions, and then you layer that against what items they need at that point in time would probably say that you combine that with the base levels of the champions as well, and Team Liquid's favored at that third dragon fight. So whatever the third dragon is, if it's Cloud, they're actually allowed to give it and then fight fourth. Um, if it's Mountain or Infernal, they should be on even footing or actually just outright favored because of Team Comp. Um, I think it's an anomaly. I mean, even, even Fudge talked about this. Alfari was winning lane, but he had really weird rune setup, and then he did uh, a pretty big blunder. Um, he was losing to Boris all fucking series. Uh, he did Doron's Blade into Recall into Corrupting Potion, and then they were able to dive him um, because he wasn't quite level 6 yet. But then Centaurin's Pathing also didn't line up to cover him on that specific thing. And as soon as Urgot dies once in this matchup, it's a chain reaction, or it's, it's a chain effect. It'll, it'll keep happening. If Urgot's not 0-3 in that game, and he's like down CS but 0-0-0, their dragon fight's totally different. Ezreal Seraphine, no one can touch them. No one can reach them. Ari can't be reached. I mean, Hecarim's useless. I mean, he's turbo useless, but everyone in anything thinks <laughs> Hecarim's good. Um, and then Ari Silas, completely agree with you. He's turbo fucking useless. Uh, Ari's turbo useless, I mean. Um, but there's no way to reach Ezreal Seraphine, and all they need is one fear beyond death in a team fight, and Cloud9 just lose third dragon forward. If TL win third dragon, they get another five and a half minutes of scaling uh, guaranteed into them. Their champions require less gold than Cloud Nines, and their champions' base value is just way higher. So... Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you on the Ari. You know, like the only time yeah. I saw Ari like in the past like two years is like Mid Beast yeah. making video on Korean Ari, like you know, yeah. Solo queue, as that was it. And like, also, you know, I think maybe Fudge has something to do with the drafts. I know. Okay, he goes to your church. Stock for Allah, he goes to your church. But anyways, uh, you. He's like, you know, maybe, you know, Ramadan is coming up soon. Maybe he wants to end the games a bit sooner. 
because you know he needs to break his fast on time and everything so you know maybe this is why they're like they want to end the games very fast you know so the big early game team comes to get first like they got first blood against alfari tilted him out of the planet he was like oh his hand was in his hair he was like oh i'm so sad i should have went back to eu even though i was rotting in eu but you know uh, Okay. Mamu, yeah, I totally agree. Yourself, I think. Maybe yeah, Mamu, that is... Mamu was spitting too much flames. That's... He had to cool down in, in his overheated apartment. Yeah, Mamu, Jack better you... check the house for cameras. I think. I think this. You muted on Discord. I don't know if that was your intention. Oh yeah, yeah. I really didn't have anything else to say. Oh okay. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, but, good. like Mark, Mark, you need to you need to come in here. You know, you've been yeah, uh, yeah. I'll chime in. I actually. Um, I I'm I'm with uh, I don't know the sinners on this one. I I don't think the draft was that bad for C9. I think Nidalee is a champ I'm I'm usually pretty sus on, but they had set up in all three lanes, which I, I like a lot if you're going to play her. Um, with mm -hmm. Renekton, Nidalee, Kalis, Alistar, uh, Silas can all can all uh, enable the Nidalee to make things happen early. Mm -hmm. To LS's point at their Drake fight, like yeah, C9 will control the early game. They should they should if they're playing correctly. Uh, yeah. have a bit of a lead. I don't think what happened topside needs to happen every game to LS's point. <laughs> it probably shouldn't get that bad. Um, but there will be windows where, you know, the Nidalee, if coordinating well with the team, will get some plays uh, to make some kills happen. So, like, they should get the first two dragons. There should be kill threat. Like, even though Seraphine and Ezreal, I assume, would have priority through the first couple levels and stuff, like, much past that, like, you, you're pretty much just threatened of getting all in pretty, pretty hard, I would assume. So... You can probably get priority in bot lane to start stacking dragons. And then at the third dragon, the thing that needs to happen is TL, if C9 gets there first and sets up vision, they are low range, but TL will have to kind of walk into them. They have tools to face check with Ezreal Qs and Seraphine range and stuff like that. Uh, but if I can see a world where there's just so much dive threat that if they're not careful and the setup is good and Renekton hits a flank or something or Silas gets a flank, um, that they can just blow up TL pretty easily. And I think um, one of the things, you know, we're talking a lot about this in isolation. Uh, and I think one of the things that Sven said in that interview that is crucial is the comfort point because he talked about it from their perspective. But I think that the blind Silas, which made this draft super wonky, actually was genius because to that point, TL had never played Seraphine anywhere but mid. They don't want that anywhere ever bottom for how Core JJ wants to play the game. Um, you know, and then you end up with like mobile carries that, but don't do a ton like Ari and stuff. Cause they're so scared of this dive. It feels like that they, they take all this mm -hmm. stuff. And so I think, uh, you know, TL's comp outscales, but like there's, there's a lot of players not playing the things that you would think they would want to play. Um, and so I can see the, the argument for TL having the like champion wise, maybe better draft, but I think with how C9 plays and how TL wants to play, this was a, a really bad draft for TL uh, on, a, on a player level. Yeah, and so I wanted to add, like, it's not only Cloud9, it's not only any, you know, every region is, uh, I don't even know, they're blowing up in the draft, it's so crazy, like, no team has good draft, I've seen, like, maybe once or twice in a series, it's good draft. But, like, especially when, like, uh, like you saw last night, uh, T1 versus Janji, Oh my goodness, Alas! Come on, man. Like, we are, we are, we are going off topic, sadly, and I know we we have two more callers to get to, so I don't want to turn this into a glo a conversation about drafting globally. Uh, I think yeah, that, yeah. Sorry, that might sorry. be a little broad. 
Yeah. Um, I do really okay. quickly want to get get just LS's opinion on what Mark said. Is there Mark, LS? I think you you might disagree a little bit with what Mark says. So I don't know if you have any other other thoughts on sort of the the Silas and if there's a world where maybe C9 is playing some sort of 5D chess with the way that TL likes to play the game. LS. He's thinking. I mean, I'm thinking okay. like I mean, I, th I I think like in in regard to I mean, I don't know. Um, I think I think draft is interesting, right? Like, this is one of the things where I get kind of weird um, when it comes to like assessing how TL wants to play and then going in ag against that stuff, right? When I talked about at the very very beginning about watching all the various regions, um, I don't get so encapsulated in this. Although I acknowledge that its importance is there, right? Which uh, Mark talked about in regards to how they want to play and whatnot. So I think that that is um, an interesting thing. Um, in in regards to like TL and the drafting and everything else in finals, then I hope that they're they're obviously more on page, more on tune, um, because as it stands right now, it looks like they were definitely floundering, um, and I don't know what that means for this next week of what's coming up. Yeah. Hey, Mahmood. Uh, thank you so much for the call. Uh, do you do you have anything you want to say to LS before I give you your shout-outs? I don't know. I mean, again, this is the first time you've met him, and your first call ever into the show was was talking up how excited you were for. He was the super genius. Yeah, yeah. You call yes, exactly. The the Zidane. I yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So you know, LS, uh, I really like the haircut, uh, but I think you. you should you should keep the facial hair. Honestly, like you're looking very good. I mean, you look good right now, but. Keep the facial hair. Seriously, Ramadan's coming up. Grow your beard. Be pious. Be good man. You say you go to church. So come on, you got to, you know, grow the beard. Also, last night, what is this about? Okay, last night, I was doing homework, you know, checking in on the stream here and there. And I see everyone claiming the snake, you know, the snake 1000 channel points. So I thought, okay, what is this? And so I start claiming. I claim once. I see nothing. I got nothing. And then I asked my friend. I, I claim twice. Then I asked my friend. What is it? Why am I not getting anything? And he said it's scam. I got scam. Oh, no, no, no. You just, no, something, it was just bugged. You gotta try again. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think I need some either channel points back or. No, no, no. I, I think VIP, if you VIP. sub with Twitch Prime, it works for no, sure. 100%. Uh, it's a combo deal. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Bezos, yeah. he's a scammer. He's also a scammer, so I don't know. Uh, but, you know, uh, come on. VIP, come on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> do you have any shout outs, Mabood? Uh, shout out to Faj Ibrahim Alami. Uh, he's uh, he's just representing the Arabs so well. I love him. Uh, he's so handsome. Uh, also, shout out, guys. Come on. I don't know how many times I have to say Alienware. Alienware. Buy Alienware. I don't know how many times I have to say. If you want to be Gigabrain, you buy Alienware. Look at their logo. <laughs> Look at their logo. It is five head. It is literally five head. That's true. Look at it. Let's see if I can also, move it to, to the Alienware logo here. There also, Grubhub. Grubhub's crazy, guys. Only if it's halal, though. Like, I've been in America for a bit. Uh, you know, like, I like Chipotle, but I don't get any meat because it's not halal. I just get, like, sofritas. It's, like, uh, tofu or whatever. But, like, uh, only halal. And it's Ramadan, so don't eat during the day, of course. You have to fast. And also, Faj, you have to fast, Habibi. You have to do it. Allah will be with you if you fast. Uh, and also, 
I had something else, but I forgot. Oh, is follow it... me on Twitter. Okay. Twitch.tv slash Mahmoud Ibn Zubair. Follow me on... Uh, or sorry, sorry. Twitch is Mahmoud Ibn Zubair. Twitter, Mahmoud Ibn Zuba1. I'm making crazy tweets. Uh, I always comment to Alas, but he never responds because I don't know. He doesn't like me. But, you know, uh, also starting to make YouTube videos, inshallah, soon. Okay, so uh, I just... I'm gonna, I first off, Mahmoud, thank you for calling in. I think uh, I would be <laughs> remiss if I did not grant you... Uh, victory call game field victory caller. So, um, uh, I'm not entirely sure what your dietary restrictions are at this time, but uh, feel free to hit me up on Discord and we'll try to get you a case of game field and uh, we'll figure something else out if that's not an option for you. But oh, baby, let's yes. go! W in the chat, everyone. W, thank, thank you for the call. Mood. We'll catch you next time. Thank All you. Right. Bye bye. Bye. All right. That was your first movie I experience. Mean, yeah. <laughs> wow. I, that guy needs to be a regular. Like. Uh, yeah, he, he's called it a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, let's let's actually take a quick break because Mark, do we only have one caller left? Did we lose somebody? We had two, but I don't know. I don't. Oh, I see them. They've been dropping in and out. I'm going to add them back and see okay, what happens. Cool. Well, we'll take. Well, you you go set them up. I'm going to take this moment to take a quick break to talk about Game Fuel. Uh, thank you so much to Mountain Dew Game Fuel for. Uh, allowing us to do such cool stuff. Um, there, we're working on some cool projects. We were hoping to do one this week. Unfortunately, it's going to get a little delayed. But stay tuned because we've got some cool stuff in the works uh, with GameField. And uh, by the way, use code Travis when you go to GameField.com to save five percent on your order. Actually, a ton of people have been tweeting me recently, trying different flavors. I love it when you guys tweet at me and, and ask me uh, or show me what you got, your combo packs, etc. I love to hear from you on what your favorite flavors are. And again, I've mentioned this previously, but the Victory Pass, which is very similar to a Battle Pass, uh, it's available right now on the website. You can now see, it's been available for some time, but you can now actually see what the rewards are from level six to 20. So as you buy Game Fuel, you get rewarded, you level up your Victory Pass, you get cool stuff. It's really awesome. You love to see it. And uh, and I'm really excited about the stuff that they're doing. So either way, thank you so much to Game Fuel. Uh, there's a link in the description of the YouTube video for it. And if it's not available in your area uh, in the U.S., there's a couple places where they can't deliver just yet. Uh, I know they're working on it, but be sure to click that Amazon link because that really helps out as well. And I think I can put it into uh, Twitch chat right now as well. Yes, I did. So be sure to use those links. It's very, very helpful. Thank you so much to Mountain Dew Game Fuel for sponsoring Hotline League. Uh, Mark is still here, but we don't have our caller yet. Yeah, oh, we do. here we go. All right, Super Monkey thirteen hundred is here. Super Monkey, where are you calling from? Uh, calling from Chattanooga, Tennessee. I go by Devante. And uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? Is uh, what what do you want to talk about on the show? Oh, uh, it was a question towards LS actually. I was uh, watching him on a face check earlier today, and he was straight up molding about um. <laughs> What was it specifically? It was a uh, like players refusing to play certain chants because of the uh, stigmatizations they have. Like some e the quote unquote e girl champions they refuse that are really good, like Soraka and Seraphine. So he didn't get a chance to expound upon it. And I was really hoping to like uh, get his two cents again, you know, on that subject. So I, I did not see chants. this segment of the show before. I don't know, Alice, if you want to provide any context or if this is. If this is like a weird, if you dodged it originally on that show and now our caller is trying to get you to talk about something, we can obviously move on. But 
I'm curious. Um, no, I mean, I, uh, so the part came about playing champions that are basically either stereotypically associated with e-girls or champions that are not associated with masculinity. I, I mean, it sounds fucking stupid. Um, but I have all too often heard players say that they won't play that champion um, because they're not going to be a fucking e-girl. Uh, or I've had a player jokingly say, my teammates are going to think I'm a fucking e-girl. So is this, in, <laughs> this like, is professional a real thing, leaks? regardless of the champion's power. Huh? Is this like in perfect? I mean, I, I, first off, it sounds yeah, professional really stupid. Play. I know Jeez. it is. Wow. Even if the champion's really good, they won't want to play the champion if other options exist because they don't want to play these champions. That's really dumb. I actually, I literally, I, I don't know what to I'm say. I'm speechless because yeah. when I saw the take, it was like there was a, a topic about it, the 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 point thing that uh, was put in the chat was like LS on face check said that there were some champions that players don't want to play. I had no idea that this was the angle of it was like the fragile ego angle kind of thing well it's not it's uh, not even just like um it's, it's not even like if the champions like stereotypically associated with e-girl um directly it's also like if the champions just like um so for instance like karma's really fucking good right now right and she's borderline popular um to an extent um uh, but there will be people that just don't want to play like in the past when she was really good right remember about a year and a half ago i had a conversation with someone and they just said that they wouldn't fucking play karma because they're not just going to be a support and they don't want to just be labeled uh, a karma player and competitive so that's definitely an angle i've heard more as well like uh when yeah. talking is like there's certain picks that have a negative connotation like you're saying and sometimes yes. it's tanks tanks even you know like oh i don't i don't want to just be this like weak side beta top who's just you know not like I want to play carries and stuff, um, mm -hmm. and so like I I've heard a similar, you know, angle in that regard where where players don't want this champion that has a poor public perception of being a skillless champion, and then then using it, yes. and then they feel yep. like they won't get any credit and stuff like that. Yep. I mean, regardless, I mean, it's really disappointing exists, to right? hear. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if I say Malzahar, right, I think <laughs> most people have a negative reaction, but. Um, you know, I've talked publicly that I think Malz is, like, for example, really insane right now um, in the game. He's one of the few mages that aren't hurt by the uh, item changes. He's one of the few mages that keeps getting stronger with every item pickup. Um, and he's well-positioned in the current meta, but no one would play him. No one would want to even play him, right? Because of the negative connotation, regardless of his power. Um, I think that's, you know... A different example, right? I'm I'm listing a male champion uh, that carries a negative connotation. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, regardless, um, I mean the 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 weird like ego masculinity thing is just bizarre to me. The the yes. I want to show off and show that I can I have a a great deal of skill. That is also silly because it's like, hey, you should work with the team or whatever. It, you can understand a bit more some of these young folks that are trying to like prove themselves on the rift and they worry they'll get pigeonholed into this like oh they just press r or whatever but i don't know that's really aggravating to hear either way and i hope that there's not too much of it in the lcs because uh that's aggravating mm -hmm. yeah i just thought it was a like an interesting tangent you were going on and 
I just wanted to hear more about it. I also think it's dumb. Like, I main support, and I enjoy playing Seraphine. Fun champ, fun kit. Really just OP. Makes no sense why she, she's still just viable. Very fun. But watching a lot of people not refu- refuse to pick her up or just won't is just baffling. Yeah, I, when you say things like that, it's wild. Yeah. So I, I, I don't personally know about Seraphine. I haven't had enough you know, uh, opportunity to ask the specific question about her. I think it's really fucking weird that every single time I do get into a private chat with any pro about Seraphine, it's always that she's the best. And yet her pick rate and everything does not necessarily well, maybe 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 I don't I don't have the stats on this in front of me or something. Like I could look that up or whatnot, but um No, I think she I think should you're be right. she should be getting way more, I think she's the best champ in the game. Um right now. Um yeah. but competitive yeah, play doesn't reflect that. I've noticed in the LCS she just goes through all the time. Nobody touches her. It's so weird. Like she no not pick, not ban. Normally a lot of teams just like don't look at her as a champ when I watch like LCS and like normal play and it's very weird. But that was that's yeah. a different thing. Do you think yeah. do you yeah. see her getting through or like just being ignored having zero presence a lot, Mark? Um, nah, she's not zero presence. Like you know, we saw her this weekend in the C9 TLC. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, mean like in the individual games. I mean like no pick nor ban. Well, I think it was it was most egregious earlier in the split when Moonstone Moonstaff was even stronger. Seraphine hadn't been nerfed yet, and like teams were just I don't know, maybe it was just slow to pick her up, but it, it never felt like she rose to the popularity and play rate that yeah. she should have given the power level. Um, and it's not like I think she was that crazy complicated to like pick up and slot into a lot of the. Yep meta composition so uh maybe there everyone's just like me you know you're you're a sona stan and you don't like that uh seraphine just ripped her off true ripped off her aesthetic true what did she do to do to, to sona either way thanks so much Garner. um uh, sorry I, I didn't catch your name i know it's it's not the discord oh. name. uh my name is uh Devante. um i just want to uh this is my last shout out i don't have anything else to say but yeah, name's Devante. Uh, if you're looking for a screenwriter, that's your boy Devonte Woodard on Twitter. A, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get in there. Um, shout out to SBG, my smooth, my smooth brain gang friends. They know who they are, and uh, I'm not gonna plug anything else because y'all get paid to plug. I don't. So, <laughs> thanks. Other than that, y'all enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks. You enjoy the rest yeah. of your night too. Catch you later. Uh, all right, we're gra- grabbing our last caller right now. Uh, let's see, where are we? Uh, 20 pounds of hummus, Isaac Cannoli, Aquatic Banana, Energized Reaper, Zass, and Trevor Monreal. I think I got most of those before, but either way, thank you everyone for the subs. Our last caller of the night, Master Namer, Elodin himself, uh, where are you calling from? Um, Adelaide, Australia. Adelaide, you've called in before. Yeah, once or twice. What do you, uh, want to talk about on the show tonight? Okay, so... I want to talk about how I think two months ago, or Feb 8th, LS tweeted about how this isn't uh, week one of LCS after week one, how TSM were pretty much bottom three, bottom two, like a bottom tier team in the uh, LCS, and that he was unable to see like a path forward for the team, as in how they can like improve to like actually compete at the top. And I was mm-hmm. wondering if I can ask him how, after eight weeks of play now, we have seen them pretty definitively slot themselves in third. 
So not really top two, but definitely better than fourth. And if you have changed your opinion on them, like if they've uh, improved and what you would or who you would credit that for, if it's the players stepping up or coaching staff or like a combination of the two. Um, so my thought is, is that they were bottom of the pack and then immediately after, I think the week of that tweet, right, is when they had, they began their like miracle streak of clean games. And then after that, they went back on their roller coaster ride. Um, however, NA, in my point of view, is a two-team region. I think TL and Cloud9 are leaps and bounds above the rest. So then from there, we look at all the other teams inside of the league. And I think that TSM improved, sure. Uh, but I think every other team got a lot worse or not worse, but they weren't improving. They were stagnating or improving at a slower rate, or or they actually did get worse, right? In a hundred thieves' case, um, and I think that that's a byproduct of it as well. Uh, I don't think TSM or ever. I, I don't think they're remotely close to TL or or, or Cloud Nine. Um, I think that yes, they did get better. Um, I think that they're a middle of the pack team now. They're not like the super bottom. Uh, like they were before, but what does being a middle-of-the-pack team even really mean or translate into? Uh, don't get me wrong, I think they're favored um, against, you know, uh, other middle-of-the-pack teams, um, especially maybe in a best-of-five, uh, but I don't think it's... I, I don't know how to, to quantify this into something meaningful when, when you consider that it just doesn't mean anything when you compare them to TL or Cloud9. Hey, if they get third in the summer, that sends them to Worlds. There it is. I mean, you, you did say that it's like it's an eight-team, you know, race or whatever for that. So if if they can keep it, then they get to go to Worlds. I, yeah, I mean, true. One, well, I do, I do want to sort of echo one part of the the caller's question to you, LS, which is like, if you like, obviously there was a point in time where you and pretty much everybody else was like, "What the fuck is going on with TSM? They looked really rough." nobody's having that conversation anymore, right? Like, to the caller's point, they are solid third. We seem to be much better than, than 100T, yeah. even if there's a lot of doubts about that. So do you have any idea what it is that did allow them to get to this place? Do you think, like, it is a ton of coaching or, like, I don't know, Sword Arc stepped up or something? What what really allowed the doubters to kind of be silenced in terms of uh, people thinking, like, this was a really bad team? Mm, I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer it without conjecture right um my hypothesis would be that they have um they have so many tenured players on one team together uh many of which with a mutual drive to win right and i'm referencing like uh it's very important for power of evil to be successful it's very important to sword art to just not fucking lose because you know uh, it it's very Culturally, as well as, like, it just looks really bad. You come to NA and then you shit the bed. And then, uh, as Mark and we touched on even earlier, I mean, this could have been Huni's last rodeo. Um, so I think there's a lot of motivating factors there. Um, I think Spica is no stranger to bumpy roads or rocky roads. And then you just have Lost as the outlier, right? But um, other teams, I think Dignitas had a lot of camaraderie. I think they had a lot of mutual interest um, where maybe behind the scenes they don't have the job security fights that maybe some other teams are having where they're looking to scapegoat a player or a staff member or something in order to, you know, cover their own ass. Like what they, you know, 
maybe is happening on 100 Thieves. Who knows? Um, when you look at Evil Geniuses, who knows what kind of inner turmoil is going on there, right? Because there's a lot of potential swaps on some of these teams that could happen um, and that everyone is sort of like rubbing their head about. So I think when you lump all these things together with the veteranship, the coaching staff, and the fact that other teams are probably just having way more problems, it allows TSM to slowly but surely just etch up. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, as well, uh, Sword Art was like number one. I don't know how long it's, it was true for, but he was number one in any solo queues, top of the ladder for a little bit. And like, I I always appreciate Grind Lords. I know like there's a bit of a weird um, stigma to that about like unhealthy living and all these kinds of things that is is a pretty hot topic that i want to dive into right now but like i always appreciate when someone's like well i'm just gonna work harder because it's not working right now um kind of like that seemed to be at least for sword art something that that was a part of um what helped uh maybe him was was just practicing more and and stuff like that and uh yeah i, yeah. I agree with what else was saying well uh master namer hopefully that answers your question um, is there anything that you want to shout out here before we wrap up the show? Uh, thanks for having me on. Just the uh, the usuals, Game Fuel, Alienware. Keep up the uh, the good work. Hey, thank you so much for the call. Catch you next time. All right, that wraps up the show. We're in overtime right now. Um, Mark, do you have any shout outs, plugs, anything you want to say here at the end? Uh, no, uh, I'm excited for finals to be in a real venue again and being able to stand in a space and talk to my co coworkers. I was going to ask about this. Are you able to say if you're, I don't know if it's been publicly said, are you guys able to say that you will be in the, in the theater? Have we, has it not come out? I mean, I don't, I, I, I haven't seen it, but maybe you, it has, let's just say it has. Uh, yes, it did come out, Mark. I just remembered it came out. Uh, it's been uh, widely known for quite some time that the analyst desk is going to be. Um, are you, it's I assume at the theater. Well, that's what I read anyway uh, when it came out. Um, so I'm excited for that too, Mark. I just trolled you guys. Ha ha ha! So funny. <laughs> Good save. Uh, anything else, Mark? No. That's okay. Why I don't talk the end <laughs> ellis what do you got to plug what do you got to shout out uh, uh i don't have anything to plug <laughs> i'm fine i don't you know i'm always bad at plugs and shout outs and stuff okay well yeah. everybody go oh do you I mean, suck i think i assume a ton of <laughs> there you go there's your shout out I'm sure there everybody can find you on in there. twitter and stuff like that uh for me i just want to shout out wild rift which mark keeps being in the awkward position of not having played as everybody else around him and continues to play it um, because I heard through the wall today uh, Kobe who doesn't normally like mobile play I tried to, I was like Mark or I was like Kobe you're going to play Wild Rift he's like no nah, no nah, nah. then the other night he was literally screaming at the top of his lungs while playing Wild Rift with friends but I heard on on the dive earlier as, as Kobe was recording it he was like Mark you still haven't played it yet so all I'm saying is Mark should play Wild Rift because it's very good. And uh, you can get 19 MS playing it. So it's the, la the, the latency is better than playing that old, crusty League of Legends. I love it. Level 14. 
stay tuned for more of my content. Thank you to LS for coming on. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Mark, for co-hosting as always. Uh, thanks to all our sponsors. Be sure to enter our survey and our giveaway. This has been Hotline League, episode 167.